Reader Mail. Number seven. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. In this case, a reader mail podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, your other host, Mr. Sawbridges. Thank you guys for joining Lucky Number 7 of Reader Mail, where we ask you guys to ask us questions every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, and now Discord. Nobody did that this week, but I don't think we did a good job of upkeeping that. So Did we open to... the, the chat page for it? No, we didn't open the chat page for it. So uh, yeah, that's what we need to do. So... It needs to be an exclusive chat room or whatever a channel patreon exclusive no okay no it doesn't have to be it just needs to be it just needs to be a channel that you can go in there that way whenever we go to read them it's just and no discussions in there there. for those that are in there i know our discord users are listening to this and uh let's not discuss stuff in there let's just be questions um we can bring all the actual discussion back into general but um thank you for joining us uh you can find our normal episodes of triangle squared every monday at 10 a.m pst noon central time and uh, normal viewers, you can find this episode uploaded on Fridays, every other Friday at 5 p.m. Central Time. And uh, Patreon viewers, you get it when we get done. So once I, it's done. I have, weirdly, I, just because I, I messed up, I moved them to noon. I know. Do you want to keep them to noon? It's fine, okay. yeah. So noon. It was an accident, but it's been like that two weeks in a row now, or two times in a row. Noon every Friday, or every other Friday for our read episodes. And then uh, Patreon, or Patreons, you get this the second it's done processing, and we upload it straight there. We make an announcement on Discord and Twitter as well. And I think Brett probably handles that on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, so I know that you don't handle the back end of us putting them on Patreon. Uh, for anybody who's a patron, they understand, but for anybody who's thinking about joining us, what it does is Patreon has its own RSS feed that you can add yes. into any of your apps. You get uh, an email. Apps. So what's going to happen is that you only get it in audio format only because there's no real clean way to do video format early. Um, this is the way that things are set up and Patreon doesn't have its own video thing and it's not as easy anyway. So yeah, you'll get yeah. it audio uh, early and you know what, while we're here, uh, we don't typically have as much time in between when we record the episodes, uh, you know, the actual proper episodes of the show, but I'm going to use this opportunity to ask if there's anybody who's a patron or anybody who's thinking about being a patron who would think that uh, us putting the proper episode up as soon as we get done recording an audio format and that they would like that then let us know and we'll do it it's just it's not as much of a of a benefit because it's only going to be maybe a day at max early uh but if you think that y'all would like that and it wouldn't seem too close or come at a weird time then let us know and we'll definitely consider doing that uh i don't see any reason why we wouldn't so let us know and if we get enough feedback then we'll do it uh but go ahead Saul. yeah keep keep rolling so if you guys ever want to ask us questions that you'll hear answered here uh, check out our Twitter at Triangle SQRD, our Facebook page, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. It's a group you can just go ahead and go through and follow. And uh, Brett posts the uh, the images and posts that uh, let you guys know when to ask us questions. And then, of course, Discord. Just We're going to have that opened up. So for you guys want to go in there and ask us questions. Uh, on Twitter, uh, like I said, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you'll see a post go up. You just respond to that post. Uh I know we had a couple out of the post normally, but... Um, we try and save yeah, those as much as possible. And we, I, I know a couple of them were actually just conversations they were wanting to have, and we were like, do you want, do you want this to be on Reader Mail? And they are like, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then we, of course, have uh, Patreon, where you guys can ask us questions on there. Something new we're doing that we don't get a lot of traction in yet, uh, but you can do it if you want to, is that if you don't have any of these accounts... Uh, you're not like a social media person or anything, but you listen to us on YouTube. You can always comment on a YouTube video, uh, a question, and it could be any uh, YouTube video that is uh, 
I'd say recent. So we always see the notification anyways, but we know, or you'll know that we're going to answer that question if we go through and heart your comments. Uh, other than that, just to, we always say that just in case there's one day in which we get 300 a day and we can't answer them. So it's kind of more fu uh, future proofing. But the beginning of this episode is de dedicated solely to our good buddy on Twitter named El Chabib. He asks us questions every single time we put a read around tweet up. That's right. And since they are in kind of messages, we I completely forgot them last week, and I think that we also had something else going on. We had to wrap up, anyways. Yeah, but um, well, we had we had some was it last week's that we had problems with again? I can't remember. I think we ended up having to redo some. Reader of it. mail is cursed, so yeah. we had to like yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so we're gonna start off with uh, about five questions from El Chabib from Twitter, and then I believe I'm gonna let Brett take over Facebook. Facebook is my favorite thing because I don't have a Facebook. I don't see those. The, those are all blind questions for me. Okay. Uh, but we'll go ahead and hit up El Chabibs, yeah. Sure. He starts off with saying, Hello, married people. Do you have a game developer that dropped off your gaming time during the years? Any developer, you will buy their games regardless of what game it is. I dropped off both Ubisoft and Rockstar because their style of games wasn't interesting me to anymore, especially with Ubisoft putting Rayman for rest at this point. And I would play any game developed by Naughty Dog. Cheers. Okay. So yeah. this is an interesting well, question. First thing we got to do is talk about the fact that we've said it a million times on here already. But uh, the reason he says, hey, married folks, is that Saul got married. So Shalom, uh, Mazel Tov, I'm not, all the... I'm not Jewish. All the things. Hey, I can't, I can't just be a multicultural celebration of your marriage and your union and your partnership. I mean, yeah, go for it. But I no. feel like that's really reserved for... Jewish people, but anyways. I don't actually know. You know what? I will say if it's offensive to do that, because if you're it, Jewish, it, let us know. If my if if my intention was to be a butthole about it, then I wouldn't care. But I was really just saying that as a you know messing around being yeah, multi multicultural. But, but you know what? I don't know if that's considered rude. And if I, it is, was it wasn't gonna, my intent. I was going to say something rude, but I'll I'll, I'll refrain from that and. And some other things. But uh, <laughs> as far as uh, LGBT's question goes, there is like Capcom, I guess. Like I used to really be deep dove into the Devil May Cry games. And for a really good while there, there wasn't a lot of Capcom games that I was playing. And definitely kind of stopped caring about Devil May Cry after three. Uh, well, I say that four, realistically, because there was such a big gap in between the games. And I didn't even pick up DMC, which is... I still have a heresy either. that I know, but um, I actually enjoyed the game, but I didn't pick that up until the remaster hit PS4. Oh yeah. And I'm, I think I'm you actually BMC came 5. with me that day to GameStop. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, honestly, that would probably be it. It wouldn't, it wasn't for like any specific reason against them other than just the lack of the games that I cared about. Now, would you say that Capcom have turned that around in recent? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like between Monster Hunter World, Devil May Cry 5, Resident Evil 2, uh, I'm, I know there's one other big game that I'm forgetting that I did play. Uh, I can't think what it is, but yeah, like absolutely. Uh, Capcom is back in its graces, uh, for me at least. Yeah, they've done a big turnaround, which is so <laughs> funny because Capcom has been around for so long, very similar to Konami, but the difference between Konami and Capcom is that Konami is kind of okay with relegating themselves just to essentially abusing their old properties they've had, which way they've been doing with all these Konami collections. I mean, even which stuff is like fine, but real I mean, life stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff too, like that's not even games that Konami has their hands on. It's kind of suffering. Sure. Like I know Richard's going to know more about this than I will, but I know he's not happy of the current state of Yu-Gi-Oh, but I digress. I don't really know sure. much about it, but um, what about you? Developers yeah, that dropped off your radar. Now mine for the ones that dropped off and then they kind of just have been that way. I used to play every Rockstar game. 
uh, whenever they came out, just like he was talking about. But somewhere in the time, I don't know if it was just because of me getting to play more games and realizing which ones fit my style more and then not settling to play a game that wasn't as much in my... Like, once I realized there were things I liked a lot more, it's like having to settle to play something else that really, even though I liked at one point in time because it was my only option, it's essentially the options gave me the ability to kind of shy away from them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they really dropped off after probably Bully, uh, and after that, I, I mean, that. Red Dead just did not click with me when I ended up buying Ease and I ended up not playing it. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 was a huge letdown to me. I just did not care for any part of it. And I don't know if it was because of the game or because of me. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Red Dead was the same way. Max Payne 3 was okay, and I did enjoy it. So that was one that I ended up buying and enjoying enough. But it still just didn't click with me the way that at one point in time I felt like they were. So they're definitely one that, that, that kind of fell off. And I agree that I don't care for their style either. That's, that's what's so interesting about when they came back around and I finally decided to give Red Dead 2 uh, a try. It was weird me. because <clears throat> I hadn't really cared up until that point. Grand Theft Auto 5 also didn't strike my interest at all. And I played it. I just did not want to keep playing it. So whenever Red Dead 2 came around, even though there were a lot of problems I had with it from a gameplay level, they did enough things to where I was able to make it a on the gameplay side, make it a, what do you want? I mean, I was able to play it and I didn't just hate it, even though I didn't love it as much as I feel like I could have. Right. But the story was enough to make up for that. And, you know, maybe that's true of all rockstar games where the story would have been enough for me if I could have gotten over the gameplay, but there's a lot of problems with gameplay in a lot of those games. I really, I really enjoyed Grand Theft Auto five story. Like that's the, that's the only Grand Theft Auto game other than Vice City and San Andreas that I've 100% of the story. You're not 100% of a beat the story. You beat the story, yeah. yeah. Um, See, I, I, now that's what's so interesting. When I was young, I played through and beat Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, San Andreas, Vice City stories and Liberty City stories, both of those. Um, and those were honestly, those were more like, I was so amazed that they were able to even pull off the same quality on the PSP that even though they were kind of out of my graces at that point, even I was still playing them. Cause I was just kind of, they I was like, fun games they, were, they, they were, but it was also just like, man, they were able to pull, put this on a handheld and it feels and plays just like the PS2 ones. And at the time that was amazing. So it was kind of like the technology Marvel side of it got me to play them, even though I don't hardly remember the stories in those games at all in, in the two PSP ones. Coincidentally. I played Devil May Cry 1 and GTA Vice City in the same day for the first time. That's odd. Yeah. Uh, so what is the other side of the question? What's one that you'll buy at any From point? From Software. I had a feeling. From Software has never let me down, and they won't, I don't think. Well, now you say you'll buy it at any time, but there is one stipulation of that because it's you, not didn't, the surge. you didn't buy Darasene because you don't have VR. But that's reasonable. Yeah, I don't have yeah. VR, so like, I, and it wasn't even enough of a pull to, even though your love for From is there, well, you, you it, didn't it had, have enough pull to buy a VR because of Darrisine alone, and that's, I right. mean, yeah, that's, that's honestly a reasonable. Standpoint. I don't think there's any one game unless it's Beat Saber that I would mm-hmm. buy for VR alone. Yeah, which but, is something that's really unique to that that medium anyway. You yeah, know? Like, I don't know not that, something you can experience now. Darrisine, I could watch a YouTube video on, I'm sure, and get the full experience for the most part because it's more of like a like walk around pick up things examine them kind yeah of kind of like an adventure game yeah so even yeah. It, does, it is in the bloodborne universe and that's super cool sure uh, uh i'll say right now my one uh naughty dog is mostly there but because they've not been being as creatively i mean it's just going to be happen with how long their games have started to take um and even that's been happening across the board with Sony's developers, but there are a few sucker punch is one of those developers for me where I can, I, to me, the, and they've gotten a lot of, they've gotten a lot of rep 
these last few years because of you know the infamous series getting so big and then Second Son being a huge launch game and then a lot of people are really hyped for Ghost of Tsushima. But um, prior to that, I mean, they have yet to release a bad game and. I mean, since I started playing them. So Sly Cooper 1, uh, they had the Rocket Robot or something like that. It was on 64 before that that I'd never played. But prior to that, they're a small group of developers that are real spunky and have a lot of great ideas. And I think that their style shows through all their games. And I'm excited for Ghost of Tsushima. So that's definitely one of them. I think Naughty Dog had that too. But Naughty Dog's had a lot of identity changes that I, think- I don't feel like is ex- is true in the same way well you go from jack and daxter to the last of us in, in a span of 10 years or technically daxter well, to last go, of us. go from jack and daxter to well daxter was uncharted you know what i mean daxter wasn't naughty dog was it no that was uh ready at dawn yes okay. uh but more importantly I, I get your point though that's kind of where i'm at with them it's like you know when you play naughty dog games you look at crash bandicoot and you look at jack and daxter the blood, like the, the the through line of the blood in the in from Naughty Dog is there, and then you get to Uncharted, and Uncharted is such a big evolution yeah. that I could see why it'd shake a lot of people off. And even though I love Uncharted, it is like a tale of two Naughty Dogs. Well, that's why like Days Gone does get the jokingly like hassle that Busby. Like nobody wants to play a game by, but that's people made Busby. Sure, so. yeah. Um, but good question, El Shabib. I, mm. I like that one, and I do agree. Rayman should make a return, especially yeah. 3D Rayman. Rayman 2, the greatest game. Okay, I'm, I, I, goat. No, I'm okay with that, but I'm not goat in terms of Rayman. Dude, the, the you, you, Rayman Origins is one of the best Rayman games of all time. It's that, so That's not good. saying a lot, considering there's only like three good Rayman games. Rayman 1 and 2 are both great games. Yeah, and Origins. Rayman 3 is actually pretty good. I don't remember 3 that uh, much, and I played through it, so that yeah, tells me something. Rayman 3 is pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's good. Um, and past that, Ray- Ray- Rayman got on a bad slope there for a while, but when they came back with Origins... Well, I heard Legends whole, was pretty bad, that, right? Well, see, I didn't care for it, okay. because it went way more... That's who I remember It, it, it went way more musically driven. It was like, now it was trying to platform to but a the, beat, but the which I didn't care for. And, the, and Great Escape was amazing. Oh, yeah. I can hear it in my head. They also made a really cool, um, uh, not 3DS, but DS version of that game, too, which was really cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, of the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a port, and it was yeah, a perfect port. I do port. remember that. I'm going to hit this up. I'm going to hit the next one up just for changing in voices. Uh, you do that. All right. He says, hello again, guys. This is still Mr. El Tabib. Simulation games, Sims, city simulation, farming simulations, thoughts. I always found them interesting and tried dabbling here and there with them, but as soon as they got more complicated, I stopped playing them. Have a good weekend. Well, you know what? I know that uh, that weekend. It's been a while, but yeah, have have a good good weekend. weekend I actually told him that have a good weekend as well. But um, okay, Saul, do you have? I think you might even have more experience with simulation games than me, but I don't know for sure because I think we both have edged into them at different times. But I don't think we've ever had in a head over Animal Crossing count as simulation? No. The Stardew Valley count as simulation? Maybe. That's like the only two that, that I one's kind of an a lot of into. Yeah, like Animal Crossing thousands of hours over the past decade. It's Star- a little Star- different. Valley, like maybe fifty hours, forty hours. That one was the one game I still need to go back to because I played a lot of it. And I loved it, but something like not it, a game didn't come out or something, anything like that. It's just I lost interest in it. Yeah, but I don't remember why. Like it was, it's one of those weird things that has happened to me before with other games, but I really don't know if I have a answer for this i know yours i know what yours is gonna be like if anything it's racing oh well there's that but i was actually going outside of that because even though racing simulation is there it's still primarily racing racing so while i was going to bring it up i don't consider it to be in the the general spirit of this because he's kind of talking about you know a lot of this is like well you're essentially 
simulating real life things and that you know a lot of simulation games and that is true of racing games as well though simulation they have a lot of back-end mechanics that are really monotonous to people who don't care for it they just seem like well why is this going on they're real tedious and they're weird but they're part of what the simulation style is so in this case my big one that i've loved forever roller coaster that does not count Dude, that's a simulation game. I don't care. That's it's, not, it's, you're nope. essentially simulating going through. It's no different than The Sims. You're si- the Sims. The point of The Sims is that you're simulating somebody, a family's life, or a character's life. I don't count that when as you're simulation because it's not realistic. The same way Stardew Valley or like Animal Crossing, even though you're technically doing things that you would do on a day to day basis. See, Animal Crossing, I don't know because I haven't played enough of it. I don't want to. But I know what you got to fix that. You know, when, yeah. when Switch it comes out for Switch, you got to buy it. I, dude, it's it's a game that I don't think I have time for because it's a game that demands you that's play the, it all that's the time. The, that's that's what I get like more so of like more simulation than like Stardew <laughs> from that one aspect because. Because in Stardew, game because, times, or time progresses in-game and not out-of-game. Not out-of-game. And I'll give you that. It's like every time that you open up... But yeah, if Roller Coaster Tycoon counts, like he did say SimCity, and I, I have played a, a fair share of SimCity, but it's been on like the original like first three years of Windows XP. Okay, I played SimCity on PS1. I did not know it came to PS1. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I did that. It's been so long. And I've played Sims. So, like, uh, I really loved the Game Boy. And I played all, all of them to see which one I thought was the best. And surprisingly enough, the Game Boy one was uh, Sims. There was a Sims game on, on DS, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Where you could, like, get a rat costume and it was Ratman. <laughs> and that game was really good. I think somebody's talking. I, I want to say that maybe Sims 2 or, like, a knockoff of Sims 2. Because... Uh, Jonathan loves the Sims games, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So I've, I've seen a lot laptop of them. that Seth used to have. Yeah. So, but you know, I played Sims: Herbs in the City on the Game Boy, and then the DS version was just a better port of it. Uh, and I played both of those. And I really like those. Uh, I do like some. I, this is the thing about simulation games is like it lets you build and do all these things. It's like city simulation. You're, you know, that's why I count Roller Coaster Tycoon. Is it's more about you're simulating a lot of things that are about what it's like to be. Like, you know, city simulation is like, well, what's it like to do all these things? Like city skyline? It's like, what is it like to build an entire city, roadways and buildings and all, and do all that, and then manage it over? And it's not always going to be entirely realistic, but that's what I loved about the Roller Coaster Tycoon games. And definitely, they're one of those games where I don't see how they'd work on a console because of the way that you can go into building and whatnot. But I always loved that you could, like, grab the corners of terrain, the, the blocks, and pull them up or down. Yeah, and kind that, of change it around. That's it, what I like about. And be able to build your, and like, so you can be like, well, I want to build my roller coaster going up, but I have to have something to lay the track on. So I'm going to build the ground up that's I, honestly dude i played around in far cry 2's like map editor cool. so much because of Me that too. i would just make really big pits fill up water and just jump in like from like the top yeah but, we would we would remake uh halo maps in it whenever me whenever seth used to come over all the time that, that's kind of cool i yeah. didn't thought about that yeah but, it was really cool yeah uh why don't you guys let us know though what your favorite sim games are if roller coaster roller coaster fits the same as I'm gonna animal go, crossing i'm gonna go animal crossing yeah but if they don't yeah then... outside of that but what are your general thoughts on them i mean i, I, mean, I, I think, like them like, i think they're cool but i i think it's the same thing i think the saw is that i don't have time for that kind of stuff a lot as much as i used to see and even though and don't be wrong i could probably get off into a good roller coaster tycoon 2 if i just really wanted to actually it's, it's not been that long ago it's been about four years ago that i got into like a three-week period of playing only roller coaster tycoon 2 on my pc um, it was right before I moved into this house. <laughs> what dang? See, and that's the thing is that like if if I'm gonna play, it's gonna be Cityscape because I actually bought that game. Mm-hmm. Oh, a Cityscape scale. or is that City Skyline? City Skyline. Okay. But oh, excuse me, I actually bought that game during a Steam sale. I think it was like $9 or $19 or something. And it was not too far after it came come out, like within the first year. 
and I have it actually on my computer now at home, but if I'm going to get into something on PC that is going to suck time away from me, it's probably going to be Civ 5. Like, Civ 5 is my favorite, like, PC time waster game. Civ 6 is good, but I really like Civ 5 more. Um, sure. But, so, yeah. I mean, I like them. It's just, if I'm going to sink time into something, then it's going to be probably Civilization, which doesn't really, it's not really relevant to the question. All right. Yeah, you want to hit the next one? Yeah. He says, hello again. Bioware and Anthem problem. Why do they get slammed to compare Anthem to their previous games? And he goes on to list Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Despite the developer saying these games will continue. It's a new game slash franchise slash world slash different genre. Just like comparing Naughty Dog's Jack and Daxter to Uncharted and The Last of Us. Hey, <laughs> we did not know that one where it was saying that. Uh, played it in bits and pieces and way better, way better than playing it in extensive sittings. Brent, I'm going to let you handle this because I don't have experience with this game other than the first two hours. I still have not gone back and done anything. So yeah. I do think it got slammed because it is a games as a service and people are comparing it to other games as a service that have been out and that are more successful because they've been out. But that's just my two cents. I think it's a number of things. So definitely the fact that they're coming into an already somewhat crowded thing right now with a lot of games that are doing sequels that are learning from their mistakes. And I was also one of the people that was really under the... the auspices that Bioware were going to pay attention to those other games and not make the same mistakes that the first games like The Division and Destiny both made going early on into it. And even Warframe going back really early. And Warframe is a massive game now. But you thought they were going to learn from all that genre and come into this genre with a somewhat sophisticated take on it. Uh, And instead of doing that, and as much as I enjoy the game, it's very fun. There's a super fun core there. And there's a lot of ideas that they do in this game that are not normal in this genre. And it kind of makes the game unique because of the fact that it's not normal. But the parts that it needs to shine in the most for people who prefer these games in terms of a playing it for a thousand hours, you know, that's one of those things where they did not do enough attention. And now that we've seen that Jason Trier uh, article that came out talking about all this, is it, and it sounds like, you know, the back end were people saying, well, let's not look at Destiny. No, don't look at Destiny. Don't say anything about Destiny. We're not comparing to Destiny. We're not doing anything like Destiny. Uh, Going so far as to saying that they wanted to use Diablo three as the uh, as the point of comparison, and I don't even think Diablo three and Destiny two or even Destiny one are that similar of games. I wish they were more similar. But my point being that they were so off put on whether or not they wanted to focus on making the right game in the genre that they had chose to do, which at this point was a, a service type game that's an ever persistent online game. They made a lot of mistakes in that, and I think it's part of why they got slammed. Uh, And then the other thing was general problems that a lot of these games end up having, which is connection problems or early problems with the game not running right or not having enough content, all these things. And I don't even know that necessarily the game didn't have enough content, but it didn't have enough content and variety. And as somebody who's gone back and played a lot of that content over and over again, I don't even care because the game's that fun to me. But for the people that are playing a thousand hours and, you know, literally doing 10 times the amount of time I put into this game now, it matters in a much different way. So, uh, and then the secondary thing I'll say, and I think this is probably the biggest reason is that it's coming from EA and EA has been on a downward spiral in public opinion for a long time. And they have been game after game getting slammed. I mean, they got slammed with Mass Effect Andromeda and so did Bioware. And of course, a lot of people, including myself, you know, were under the idea that, okay, this wasn't the normal Edmonton studio. This was the offshoot Austin studio, or I can't remember which one. I think it was Austin that made it. So, you know, it was easy to go. It was a one-off. Andromeda is a fine game on its was own it merits. Was that made that? 
Bioware Austin, I'm pretty sure. If it's not, there's another Bioware. Tiny Rise that was developed so close to here. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like all of them, but that was the primary studio right. for it. Um, so anyway, with that being said, it's one of those things where, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda was a fine game on its own, but it shouldn't have been a Mass Effect game, and it probably would have done better. But since it was, and since it was EA, it's always EA's ruining Bioware, and then Bioware is doing this. So EA took that blow, and so did Bioware. Then we move on. We go to um, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Bam. EA got crapped on for their bad loot box decisions. Battlefield 5. Then we go into Battlefield 5. Battlefield 5 has had its own problems that people have been up in arms about. Some so, people still like attribute Apex Legends problems to EA, too, which... Yeah, and more then, so you would think it's going to fall onto. Um, well, respawn is wholly respawn. owned by EA now, and no, that no, was, I know that. But I'm just yeah, saying, and like, they, they used to not be. So people used to put the, like respawn in a little bit of its own bubble. They're right. like, well, it's just a partnership. Well, it's like Bungie versus Destiny, Bungie versus Activision. Yeah. So who do you get to put the blame on because of it? Yeah, but you know, in these situations, it does seem to be that a lot of the. I think people were coming into it tense already because of how much they distrust EA. So people were going into it with this already negative idea and thinking negatively that the game can't be good. The game can't be good. And when you go into something with such a negative viewpoint, you notice the negative that much worse and it stands out that much worse. And then your, you know, your ability to control yourself from saying something that's probably a little too much about the game just goes out the door. And there are reasonable complaints about Anthem. I've seen a lot of them. I followed the Reddit because I find it interesting to see how people who are still playing the game hour upon hour are still having a lot of constructive feedback and sometimes even hating on the game, uh, but in the hopes to obviously make it better. So I'm curious as to see how this goes down, but it does seem like it's gotten Bioware. One thing he said was that, you know, it's a whole different franchise world genre and everything when they're so used to doing RPGs and that even the RPG elements in this aren't normal. Yeah. You know, so that's the, that I was think, one of the things that caught me off guard. Yeah. Like not seeing any stats was not, weird. Not, well, I mean, you got your gun and suit stats too, but like, they're, but they're it's weird. The none of them are together. There's not level. a stat screen. There's none of that. You know, right. The, almost, nobody understands the way that the suit leveling works. We assume it's an average, but it, I don't know. It's, it's very weird. What so other, well, I was playing a game the other day. I remember what it was, or I was maybe looking at a game and I was like, this this game doesn't make sense because it doesn't display your stats. And I'm like, but it's an RPG. And it's not something I was playing. I misspoke. It's something I was looking at buying. Maybe it was Outward, but I don't know if Outward shows your stats. It's something that yeah, didn't make I'm sense not sure. to me. But uh, we got one more question from LGB. Why don't you hit that one off? Yep. He says, hey, guys, what one genre would you wish would make a comeback? Mine is beat-em-ups and maybe in the vein of the Souls Bloodborne difficulty levels. Okay. That'd be cool. Castle Crashers was awesome, and I can't wait for Streets of Rage 4. Uh, so it's interesting he brought up Streets of Rage 4 because I was actually going to say that the genre's kind of been making a weird... It's been trying to make a comeback throughout the last decade. There's so a, there was Double Dragon Neon, which is a PS3 downloadable title. The one on the Vita that I can't think of that I've always wanted to play that I a, still should go pick up. That was a beat-em-up? Yeah. It was um, not Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Crown. Oh, yeah. That's a beat-em-up. I guess it is, yeah. What do you mean, you guess? That is a beat-em-up. It's well, I've never played it. scrolling beat-em-up. I've never played it, so I guess it's just, in my mind, it looks more like a side-scrolling RPG slash Metroidvania, but since, I, since I've never played it... All the videos I've ever seen looks like a beat-em-up. It probably is. It uh, probably it looks is. It's just that I've only ever seen the artwork. The artwork, to me, looks reminiscent of let something me, you'd see me, in a Metroidvania. Let me make sure, because I've never played it. Probably it probably is. I, I would be willing to bet that it is. Um, that's pretty interesting, though, that he wants to do it on a Souls... You know, Soulsborne level of difficulty. 
because uh, those games are already, depending on who plays them and how used to them you are, uh, they're not necessarily easy. Definitely, if you continue to level up, it is a beat em up. Okay, but yeah, like honestly, like that's that's a good uh, question because it reminded me I still need to play Dragon's Crown on Vita. But um, I'm gonna say, oh, you thought tactical RPGs? I was like, what is the name of those? Yeah, Tactics, Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre. Okay, yeah, because uh, there's Fire Emblem's doing a really really good job of preserving the the core of that series, and so was uh. The game that I bought on Switch played once and never played again. That's really cool, but I need to go back. Cost to twenty dollars. New tactic style game. You can make your own game. Oh yeah, you forget to get in the name every time, and now you're gonna make me do it. Yeah, it's um. Oh, I hate you, Wargroove. Wargroove, yeah. So like, it, it's staying <laughs> in that niche, but like Final Fantasy. Was it last year or two years ago? Square Enix did the April Fools' that there was making a new tactics game. Yeah, I think it. That I needs think it was last to year. actually come out. And it does not need to be a phone game square because you have a lot of Final Fantasy phone games. Um, I would love it. I would love it if it came out. I would buy it on Switch. If it had Octopass art style, I would buy it. I would buy the deluxe edition. I would buy the premium edition. I'd buy whatever it is. But I want that game. Brett, why don't you go ahead and take it away on for Facebook questions that you seem to have. Well, hold on. I didn't answer the question yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hi. Uh, I mine it. is going to be, I, I think it's the word for them. Uh, but. Early into the PSP's life cycle and even early into the PS3's life cycle, uh, there were a lot, and definitely PS2. PS2 is the king of this genre, uh, and it was Twisted the metal. dungeon crawlers. Oh. Uh, so, you know, games like Champions of Norath, Baldur's, uh, Gate. Baldur's Gate, you know. I mean, all, they're still there, kind of. Like, you have Torchlight, Torchlight 2, Diablo. They're far less, and they're mostly PC-oriented. Uh, and even Torchlight then, Torchlight Two is coming to PS4. Yeah, and don't wrong, there's but some I know other ones. Played a lot of I that. think that there's like a Van Helsing game that's like that for that came for PSP. Weirdly enough, that came for PC, and I think it may have been ported to consoles. But it's that something. Does sound familiar now. It's something that has been far less done than at one point in time it was. It was a king of a genre at one point. I mean, most yeah. people who had a PS2 knew something about Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Uh, well, Dark Alliance. Yeah. Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance One and Two. Uh, those are masterclass games. I think the Champions of North games are great. Didn't they? I just also really enjoyed the no they they did the original Baldur's Gate that's right the ones that are the uh, Diablo third person isometric yeah. they're no no because Diablo is still more well, I was gonna say Diablo product. two art style yeah or but they're also era. they're different t- they're they're more in the style of something like um, um, what's that game Pillars of Eternity Eternity yeah it's more like that it's like a tr- that's more of a traditional RPG that's a CRPG. Yeah, whereas they, these are more like, you know, they're real action-oriented. They have boss and dungeon layers that you go through, and they're very loot-oriented in the way you do things. Uh, so it's a specific, like, subset of that genre. And those are games also like the Untold Legend series that Sony had going for Because Champions of Noroth, uh, Norath was also uh, developed by uh, SOE Online before they went off to be Daybreak Studios whenever they got sold. Uh, but they made a lot of those games that I really loved. And, I mean, uh, I want to say they had another series outside of Champions of Norath and I can't remember what it was called. Is um, it as old as that, or is it is it prior to Champions or uh, after? I can't remember, and that's why I'm trying to go look, because I'm pretty sure it was... Okay, so it wasn't. So Champions of Norath was Snowblind, and Snowblind was the team behind Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. So that's why I, my brain is skipping out a little bit. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I've always heard good things about... Like, was there a Baldur's Gate on Vita? So hold on. I know why I'm thinking of SO. Okay, so Sony Online Entertainment are the people that were behind the Untold Legends series. Um, and see, that's the one I think I'm... No, it's not. That's the one you have on Vita. 
right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I do. And I, well, no, no, no. Or is PSP? It was a PSP game. I do have it on my Vita, yeah. but you've never seen me play it. You, no, the, you showed it to me. The one I was talking about that I showed you is real generic, and that's Dungeon Hunter Alliance. That's right. And Which that is, one, yeah. What is the other uh, dungeon game with Alliance in the title? Oh, I don't know. Was it not? Was there not a um, Dark Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance? Oh, I mean, I guess, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> my bad. But no, that's what I mean. Is I love that. I love that style that, of game. That series has always intrigued me. But outside of Path of Exile, Torchlight Two, and Diablo Three, uh, and a little bit of Diablo Two, I have not dabbled much. I does Divinity One and Two count uh, of that series? I... Because Divinity, Divinity, and Pillars are kind... CRPGs, which is computer that's, RPGs. That's what I would say more of them too. Whereas you saw a bigger increase on the dungeon crawler games. I'm saying where they're well, they're dungeon crawler hack and slash is essentially like the the mix up of them. Uh, but they, they got really big on console during the PS2. And one of the things I love so much about the huh. Snowblind made games and is that you could jump. And it's weird that you think that because you can't yeah, jump I was just in. Gonna say, why would you want to Diablo? Do? No, it adds verticality to the game, which is weird. Yeah, I guess. But it worked, and so I guess you don't remember. And I have uh, Baldur's Gate, um, but on the Switch, I mean, uh, <laughs> Vita. No, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. I should keep saying that. But Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, you could jump in that game, and you could jump on top of stuff and move around, and it actually led to hidden secrets and different things. It was nice to be able to jump. You could jump over enemies and stuff, so you can get out of... It was a nice added layer to the game that a lot of games have not done. I really wish Diablo 3 would have implemented a jump at that point, but and, it didn't. And there were no Baldur's Gate on PS Vita, right? Other than the... Um... Nope. I don't think so at all. You couldn't even buy them from the uh, store? The uh, what is it called? Wait, what? Oh, you could buy PSP games. That's what I'm talking about. But can like are those on the store to download for the Vita? Not Baldur's Gate because there was never a PSP Baldur's Gate. I thought there was. That's why I'm getting confused. I guess no. There's Untold Legends, Brotherhood, Which, of, yeah. Brotherhood of the Blade, and then there's Untold Legends. Whatever so Baldur's the second Gate was, one was pretty called. much PC and PS2. I don't even think Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it was PS2 exclusive. Gotcha. I don't actually because I'm I'm fairly positive. Hold on. Gotcha, gotcha. See, this is what's throwing me off is that the, the, they're so similar, and I don't have enough experience in them. Yeah, they never came out on. Uh, now that's weird. Game Boy Advance. I gotta know what that's like. That sounds intriguing. Yeah, but it didn't come to PC. I didn't think so. The, the, the genre got this particular subgenre got really big on consoles. So, Baldur's Gate Two did not come to, and that's right there. That game is still very expensive. Oh, apparently it's not. It finally dropped in price. No, there goes one of the ridiculous price what? ones. Yeah, dude. One sixty four. Yeah, for a PS two game. I gotta see what's up with this one. I'd buy that game to play on PS two if, if I had somebody to play it with me. That's a great game. That's an eBay bid with not okay. Never mind. There it is real pictures. Ah, it's the game case. <laughs> is it just the case? <laughs> the game case for seven nineteen, folks. That's uh, not worth it. But um, let's see. No, it's saying that it's the. It doesn't say it's well, just the case. Well, let's push onward. Yeah, sorry. Let's 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 hit up those Facebook questions. All right, Beeb, sorry for missing you last time, but you asked some good questions, and the whole first part of this was dedicated to you, my boy. So thank you once again. Okay, you got it. Donovan, ask. Oh wait, are these quick fire Donovans? Or no? Yeah, yeah, these are quick Donovans. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. This one's probably hard to do quick fire. Okay. So, do you think meme culture of today will integrate with video games? There's a question about this on Twitter that we can go ahead and loop into here, which okay. I, I will go ahead and do that. Uh, except this one is about Borderlands 3. And, yeah, that uh, seems it was, fitting. It was Kiki who's the one that asked it on Twitter. But he does say, let me scroll down here real quick. Uh, 
do you guys think with the current social climate that Borderlands Three humor will be affected by it? So honestly, I, so they're not really they're they're not the same question, but I, I kind of get yeah, it. Yeah, they are. Now one's one's meme culture and one's talking about Borderlands humor is all meme culture. Well, hold on, and one's talking about whether the meme culture will be able to survive. Uh, in, in terms of that, it's saying like, will their humor, which I do think is somewhat, I think that it'll end up be based around means. it, maybe because t- technically, like, what 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 who attacks meme humor? Political stuff. Uh, people do. <laughs> well, I'm saying it. There's more. But it just, you know, it just do? depends on what's going on. But memes are so universal that they can literally live across anything. So the thing is, yeah. if some person just doesn't see enough memes and they only see memes that are all politically oriented, well, then you're going to have a weird view of memes. So if you start hearing that something has meme humor in it, you're going to think negatively because, like, why, why are they trying to copy that? It means they're going to put some kind of unnecessary polit- you know, politicization in the game and that's not necessarily true. A game that's already done this I, and I think is interesting, I don't think you played, was Guacamelee 2. Nope. Uh, so Never played the first one. I'm not going to really consider this a spoiler, but there's a part in the game where there's just a hidden area that you can find and it's all old memes and it's like You did show me that. It had, like, the troll face in it or yeah, something. And yeah, and it's on purpose. It's like and it's, and it's like you go back in time and like they're stuck in the past, so it's all super cringe. It's got the Megusta face. That's what it was, not the troll face, the Megusta face. It had the Megusta face, but it had a for that it had a bunch of different uh, memes in it, and, and you could also talk to people in there that would say things that were based around memes. So, and it was just a little area of the cave, and they were all ridiculous. Uh, and I mean, I don't, think, I loved it, but meme I, culture today, just to, and then I want to hear your thoughts because. I know that you're kind of in it, but since you're a little less on social media... I mean, I'm on Reddit, which... Yeah. There's a fair share of that on there. Yeah, there is. There is. Uh, but, you know, the thing about meme culture today, and I think you at least know this much, is that it, it, it it's so quick now. Oh, it is. It's like, it's that's the thing that can outdate it, possibly, is that, like, things you see this week are going to ple- completely dead replaced by something else next week. Yeah. Which is what my answer is, is that I think that if they are, they're going to have to be memes that have been around for a while that still are here. Uh, which is rare dab like dabbing dab that, on them haters that's been a thing for like a year and a half now and it's still a thing kinda, it's kind of outdated but yeah. it's not it's not the freshest spiciest of the memes but it's there well it's just that it's really down because i mean memes turn over so quickly almost every week to two weeks you're going to expect a new meme to come out and by about three weeks in any meme that was around before is going to be completely being just gone. an adult that doesn't use anything must be so thrown off by like kids these days i don't know man it's so interesting I, I think that that was what I was going after too is that meme culture moves so quickly these days whereas used to the Magusta face was a meme for a long time yeah and I do think like, Velociraptor was a meme for a long troll time troll face was too troll face like Pepe the Frog years. before somebody tried making him an alt-right nope, still character still Pepe the Frog uh, to but, me but my point being Stupid. is that these are these are memes that were around for so long that you can even whenever they put them in like guacamole, you knew what they were because they've just they're they're memes that have been like that persistent. And the thing about meme culture now is that you could very easily lose the moment and come off. Well, that's why you have to pick the right ones, and like you have to pick the phrases that that have stayed around and yeah. that, that will. Uh, it's not impossible, but I don't know for sure. And I think games will have to be really. They'll have to be interesting in how they choose to employ them. And I think Guacamelee 2 is a great use of it because instead it took the idea of meme culture and went so old with it with, with some of the earliest memes that were really around the idea of meme culture and stuck with them. And it made it even more funny because it was because they made a joke about how, how behind they were. And, and there was a lot of warning signs well, that were like, cringe-inducing, don't go in. It was, you know, it was funny. those warnings are more cringy than the content. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, like Borderlands does a really good job with their humor. So like I feel like if anything, there may be memes created from Borderlands humor. Maybe. Like the whole stairs thing with Claptrap in three or two. Yeah. Was like commonly talked about on the internet back then. So who knows? Yeah, definitely possible. Okay, next question. What do you think would have to happen for Sony to turn around its recent policy on censorship? There's no real policy on censorship. They've not released a policy for that. Well, I mean, they've made a they've made one statement. Did they make us when did that happen? Hold, but it was more around the it was a statement of when they introduced it that was essentially saying that they were doing it to be uh globally whereas instead of used to it was like censorship was based off of region now they were like well we're going to have the same and that's why japan got affected so much is that they were trying to do one that would work on a global I think basis it's stupid. the srbs are there for a reason let them put anime titties or whatever you want to put into a game that's rated m because it's 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 rated m like Think of the children or be a good parent and don't buy your children and rated games that have that kind of content in them. Well, and like, it's that simple. The real thing is, like, where's the line? Because, you know, you look at Sony, and Sony is a people that had, uh, and, and they, of they, course, they, this is Sony of the past, to be fair. Right. But you look at Sony of seven years ago when God of War Ascension came out, or whatever, that was actually probably six years ago. Uh, but, you know, when God of War Dang. Ascension came out, and even God of War 3 before it, there was tons of topless women and crazy sex. And, and an M-rated game where you have to be 17 years older to buy it. Exactly. And it was a staple of a Sony exclusive. It's the same people who are crying mm-hmm. about Deadpool having violence. It's like you you can't complain about an R-rated movie. Like that's like if you yes. you can, but you're wasting your time because it's because, rated R. Yeah, it was reason. rated. Yeah, you know, it'd be a whole other story. And that goes the if same somebody went to go watch Deadpool with their kid, and then Deadpool was just as bloody as it was and crazy as it was, and it, but it was rated PG-13. Yeah. Somebody said, "Whoa!" But that's and you know, it's, it's it, the, one of the biggest long time things in my head that I've known for probably 15 years now in terms of censorship, is that when growing up when playing Yu-Gi-Oh!, there are cards in America that are censored compared to adult cards. Now, that makes more sense to censor because those are, that's a children's playing card game. Well, and it's a big cultural shift at a time when you had to do that because we that didn't was even also, understand yeah, Japanese early culture. 2000s, too. So, yeah. like, that was a thing in which it wasn't... Uh, Japanese culture wasn't over here as much. That censorship has now. actually gone away on newer cards. It doesn't really right. happen. It yeah. only happened early days because it, it was aimed at kids and it was a big time where Harry Potter and Pokemon and all these things were big blown up. It also Christian required a lot more more time to or a lot more effort to look at porn back then too now it's <laughs> literally on uh, yeah. there's one two three four okay so go back to the question what do you think would have to happen um i think that what will have to happen is enough people have to be vocal and actually boycott and say yeah but what you're we're right. not gonna buy the we're you know we're gonna not buy your console or we're not gonna buy these games in your console in such a number that they that Sony drastically realizes the difference and and we might be seeing that I'm not sure because like I said that we talked about in the last episode of the show where the newest DMC5 we also had a whole episode regarding it too yeah but you know the DMC5 patch that removed the censorship here yeah but not in Europe now cuz so now that goes off the same thing that might be so no longer of- is there censorship global so are they already starting to kind of step down from it that might be because of the new UK law things that's passed the past couple months, though. I'm not familiar with those, and I know some of our viewers, like Sean, uh, one no. and Sean uh, Rude uh, Cold, can point that out to me and tell me, like, well, uh, Sean Santarude did. Uh, I said, yeah, Sean Santarude. Yeah, he said did. He said that typically that they've not really had problems with censorship like that as long as they were rated appropriately, which is what I thought. If anything, I actually think that from everything I've seen, and that's what I said to him, Europe seems to have a more easy time getting things by that show off the human body because it's thought I of mean, very differently yeah, over there than it is in uh, in, in, in America. Sense. You know, yeah. we're really weird about nudity. 
uh, over here. And, and I guess because of the, I don't, I don't know if it's Christianity or what. I genuinely don't. Uh, but we have a very different view on, we'll, we are far more okay with cussing and blood and violence than we are than seeing somebody's nipple out in public yeah. or seeing, you know, boobs in a game. And it's thought of very differently in our culture than it is, it seems, over there. So I'm not really sure. And it seems so weird that now we are at a point where Sony or Capcom, but Sony would have had to let Capcom say, we can remove this sensor in, in America, but we're or in North America in general, but we're not going to remove it in Europe. Yeah. And that seems weird to me. And that already seems to be dismantling their global one rule set of censorship. So we might be seeing them return to what they had. That also might be because of UK law, though, which would be a, a, a stipulation. Well, if UK law is the one that won't let it do it there, but it still comes down to the point of like, we're, it's still not global. Because if UK law was going to be the thing, then they would keep, they would have kept ours. You know what I'm saying? Well, but you can't like make memes in UK now or something weird. No, oh, Lord. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. The I don't new... know about that. I don't. I don't want to speculate on anything. I don't know about. But I, I know. I know it's there. It's just that people are having to find weird ways to avoid it, or maybe it's, it's something that's going to happen or potentially happen soon. But yeah, like, so my thing is, is like, if things are rated for a reason. Uh, there are things though that aren't like properly rated. Then, then yeah, you can like call for it if you want. My whole thing is, it's like. It comes down to, like, I don't have an opinion on it. Just vote with your wallet and don't be dumb and say, like, oh, this movie's rated R. We need something that's not rated R because think of the children. It's like, it's rated R. Like, don't think of the children. It's not meant for children. And that's pretty much my stance on it. Yeah. I think the other thing that might need to happen is just, uh, and it might actually be happening, uh, with Jim Ryan taking over as. Uh, uh, I'm still curious how this is going to go. Well, that's one of the things. Leadership change up might change it. Yeah. So, so that we'll actually might be the beginning of the dismantling of it. We'll see. I do. Think Those are the so. two things, though. It's either going to have to be market-driven or it's going to have to be driven by change within the leadership inside. Well, and to clarify part of my statement, too, is that, like, I don't think that you should try to censor anybody's culture just because it doesn't align with yours if you're going to have it anyways. Like, if you're going to present somebody else's culture and things in that culture are different, you shouldn't go about censoring part of it because then that takes away from their culture. So I think I said that. I think I said something very similar into the – uh, episode we did about censorship, so I thought I'd bring it back up in case people haven't watched it yet. Gotcha. All right. If there was a PS5 announcement with a standard option and a modular option, would you buy the modular version or not? Yes. Now, this does tie into something that Kiki asked, and I'm going to go over to that real quick. Uh, on Twitter, Kiki asked, uh, Triangle Square, do you guys think consoles will ever become like PCs in the future in the sense of like being able to change parts and such to upgrade them? Would you be open to that idea? Yes. So you've already, already are, on that. They already are on a small level, hard drives. Like, and that's been a thing for like the past almost decade now, which is a small... More than that. PS3 was able to do it from launch. Yeah. So that's been... I keep forgetting PS3 didn't launch a decade ago. Yeah, it's been a time 2007, so like 12, years. 12 years ago. So, yeah, um, uh, I think that we're getting there. I think that it just depends. Uh, it, it, it's really gray water, gray waters, <laughs> murky waters, because it's, it's one of those things that's like, uh, it just depends on if they want to do that or not. And I think the first console manufacturer to do that will fail, but I do think that eventually it could become a norm. I'm all for it, though. Like, let, let me get a... The reason... Boneless pizza. Um. <laughs> the reason I say not is because we've already seen a computer market that had somewhat changeable modular systems try and break into the home console piece, and it was obvious that people didn't want it. Steam boxes were trying no, to do No, those that. are failures regardless. Like, those... The, the, the Steam boxes, the Alienware thing, which is essentially a Steam box, like, those are failures from the get-go. But, but why do you think? 
because they were a product that nobody really wanted. Like when you think about but, it, but what are, what are the whole idea is that they are a console at that point that you can easily hook up and plug in, and it's that you're streaming a lot of games on though. No, you can play and plug, and a lot of the games play naturally. You can download them and play them. Steambox, you could not do that. Well, the Alienware one you could. No, the Steambox. No, never mind. I'm thinking of the Steam Link. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. the Steam boxes. Yeah. I'm about to say the Steam boxes were real hardware. Now, but when you look at that, those are games you could literally download games directly to it. It used the TV UI. Are those so modular it, though? Yeah, you could change things on them. Now, it didn't end up working out because nobody ever made any of the rest of the parts for them because well, they didn't sell well enough. And I do remember specifically Alienware being way too overpriced for what they were. Alienware, but was. Alienware is that's natural. Also, that a name brand. brand. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but what it comes down to is people still didn't care for that because it takes away. From the accessibility of a console. Now, there's two reasons to that. Part of well, the reason price you... is also uh, the other reason that price is like that is the reason that these consoles are able to come out at a competitive price with with somewhat at least competitive performance uh, that would last a whole generation is because they use the same hardware the whole way through, right? So when you look at the PlayStation Four and you buy a PlayStation Four right now, unless you buy the Pro, which is a different skew completely and costs more because of it, then you're able to buy a console throughout the entire generation that has the same innards. Maybe a little bit, uh, they may have found a way to make the chipset smaller so it's more power power efficient and all that, uh, like they did with the PS4 Slim. But essentially what it comes down to is that they're doing that, so they're getting these parts at wholesale pricing and being able to be competitive with that pricing. The other benefit that that offers is that every person who makes a game for that console understands the exact, and we've talked about this a lot, it helps with optimization. A lot of computer games are not well optimized because they have to account for every single type of combination you could have, be it a certain AMD processor with a specific NVIDIA graphics card, an Intel processor with a certain AMD graphics card. These are all problems that a lot of things have problems trying to do better optimization because you're optimizing for a massive set, a number of possibilities. We're on console, even with our current climate, if you're developing a game for PS4, you're making it for either the PS4 SKU where you understand yeah. what those sets are, or you're making it for the pro and, or, and well, you're doing it for both. If you're choosing to support pro, which most people are. So when you look at it that way, you're still only developing for a two outcomes. I keep forgetting that is a, a, a point of not argument, but a conversation with that, that yeah, it does force developers to make, if they have five graphics cards, they have to make, Varieties of five different games to play on those graphics cards. Yeah, right? so, it, it, so it's, it's such a weird. Let's yeah, if that, if that becomes a thing, then there's a chance that by doing so, certain games will not actually be compatible with the new modular one that you put in for whatever reason. So I'm not against the idea as much as I'm a, as I want to make sure that they'd be able to tell me how these problems that I'm bringing up are going to be able to be sidestepped because they've already pre-thought it out and this is something that can easily be done and that people don't have to patch games for them to support this new mode for whatever reason it is. It's just, and the other thing I think is, is that a lot of people get uh, a little scared of that. There is a part of the reasons people love consoles is that it's very easy to go, you know what, I'm buying a console, even the pro with it being more powerful and I'm pulling it out of the box, plugging it in and it's already powerful. Uh, And people like that. You know, if they would have gone about making the pro by going, hey, here's a PS4 and if you want to, you can switch this thing out and you can come and what you do is you'll spend another $200 and it actually may have been more successful, who knows, but... People like the idea of pulling something out of the box, plugging it in, and it works completely out of the box with no weird, confusing steps, you know? So, by the way, this Alienware, uh, Alienware Steam Machine, don't yes. ever purchase that. For $500, your graphics card, it's not even, it's not even listed. It's NVIDIA GeForce GTX GPU. Probably one of the... Uh, Two gigabyte. Probably one of the laptop uh, Two built. gigabyte. I guarantee you it's one of these. Two gigabyte. Yeah, it's probably an APU. This is 
$500. Nah, probably not for $500. I, I doubt it'd be an APU at that point. Who knows? Could be. All right, next one up, though. Uh, Remember, you got an announcement. We're going into quickfire mode or not. Yep. Could you see another company breaking into the mainstream video game console market, and what would it take for one to do that? Right now, I think it looks we're seeing like Google doing it. Google is wanting to do it. What it's going to take from them is a well, reali- realistically to me, if we're talking mainstream, it's going to have to take it not being a streaming thing, at yeah. least not in the current climate of internet. Now, maybe ten years from now, if they can hold on that long, maybe even five, I'll give them a little bit. Five years from now, if they can hold on and there's a lot of work done to make internet more, you know, all the problems that we've brought up about internet uh, data caps and stuff like that, if they can get to that point and can hold on that long, uh, then there's a chance they could really break in and do a lot of, you know, a lot of success whenever the whole gaming market is moved a little more towards that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like, for another thing to break them into the market would be their already established brand and company and i think google is one of the best ones to do it too so we're going to see how that works and the reason we know that even works is that the last two times that real people broke into the mainstream gaming market was sony an electronics corporation that was huge uh they broke into it and then the next one that tried breaking into it and succeeded and stayed around was microsoft again a big huge multi-million dollar company multi-billion dollar company that had global recognition of name uh it does help a lot to break you in. We've seen a lot of people try and break in, even in the niche market, and still fail. Game uh, systems like the Ouya uh, and, oh, yeah. and things like that. that well, so, that wasn't even a brand before. That was exactly like, it was something off the ground, kickstarted. Yeah. Uh, so it's just one of those examples of it's something very hard to do. You need to have a presence, and I think Google has that. But I think if Google would have started off with some kind of a console that could also benefit from the streaming aspect, it would have been an easier transition. I think that they're a little too, have a, too ahead of the curve. Um, and yeah, play, and you me. could even argue yeah. that PlayStation's even further ahead of the curve considering they started doing streaming five years ago. Yeah, But it's just it's obvious that PlayStation benefited from the Gaikai acquisition in other ways that worked out for them that probably made it worth it, but we still see it going on. And it's... Worth it for Sony, who also has a very thriving PlayStation that they can sit there and turn their entire Sony around, uh, which is very important to think about with the way that Sony views PlayStation, how important it is to them. Um, it's just Google's going to have to think the same way. If this is going to be their gaming thing and they're going to strive on this, it's going to have to be knowing it's going to be at the cost of this not really doing all that well until they can finally get to a point where everything else is coalesced to make it easy for most people. There's a lot of things going for them. I think the YouTube integration of being able to watch a video and immediately click on something and play, if it works as they intend within two seconds, you'll be playing the game. That's awesome. If it does work that way. I agree. Uh, If, you know, and being able to immediately stream yourself to YouTube at the same time, awesome. You know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things where it may happen and I'm curious to see if it's going to end up happening, but we'll see in a little while. So uh, next question. Uh, this one, I would say, is a quick fire. Uh, uh-huh. So EDM or country music? I did not hear what you just said. EDM, electronic dance music, or country music? <sighs> I guess EDM. Old country. I'm going to specify, but Actually, old you know what? Yeah, I'd rather go old country. Like Alan Jackson, Shania Twain. George Strait, yeah, they'll go that. The best part about being a woman. Oh, you're about to sing Folgers. The best the part about waking oh, up. Boy. All right, let's see. If you had to choose between creating a popular band and or, or a popular podcast as your legacy, which would you prefer? Boy, this is a question aimed right at my heart. Yeah, I was gonna say podcast because I don't. I'm not really a musician anymore. So okay, I'm gonna say podcast because of. Boy, this is a quick fire question. Do you have to know because of? Hold on, I, I have two for my own self. 
real quick, it is real quick. Podcasts spur more discussion, and I think in the long run, discussion can be so much more broad, and it can do more good than music has the ability to within the confines of a band. Um, all right. What is my computer doing? Um, I don't know. Dying? No. It's at 46%. <laughs> so I don't know, buddy. Look. Next one. If you had to choose between, or if you were forced to at gunpoint to dye your hair an unnatural hair color, what would you choose? Well, brown. Uh, unnatural hair color. Brown. Brown is natural. It's not nat- It's not my natural though. He but- didn't specify. <laughs> Fine. I'm gonna go uh, blue. I like blue. I'd probably go light blue. Yeah. Yeah. Pull a ninja. Yeah. Okay. Would uh, Would you prefer identity theft or organ theft? Organ theft. <laughs> identity theft. I will still be living. <laughs> I'm not going to be in a bathtub somewhere with stitches on my back for but my kidneys. But my organ's going to go missing. Is it my? Is it one of my kidneys? I, would you take the chance? Well, I mean, you I can get, get kidney, back. You can get I get back kidney stones anyway, man. I could just. You can't just take a kidney out though, and just. I don't think this is surgical, because identity theft can't really be done um, non-criminally. So I'm going to think you're getting your hold on. organ criminally taken away from you. Yeah, but you've never seen people wake up in a bathtub with a suture because they got a doctor who knew what he was doing, who's doing this in the black market. No, I'm that, good. Yeah. So, Doctors in the black market, I'll leave you sitting in a bathtub. All right, the rest of the quick fires are, let's see, favorite kind of hot, oh, favorite kind of dog? Hot. <laughs> see, my, that was going to be my joke, and I, I ruined you, it. Well, yeah, I heard you say that. I'm like, I, I don't remember. Uh, okay, um, hot dogs. Ooh. I'm a cat person. Pitbull. Um, well, weird question or an answer for that. I wasn't expecting Pitbull. Why? That's what Vash is. And Chocolate Lab, but I was like mainly Chocolate Lab. No, nah, he's that, that boy's half and half. Yeah, and I also just love pit bulls in general. Saw so one at the hotel and I was gasping. I was like, oh, I need it. Uh, let's see, beef or pork hot dog? <laughs> beef. Yeah, I was gonna say, what kind of question is that? I mean, I'm obviously gonna eat more pork hot dogs, but like, that should come to the territory. <laughs> what? Sorry. You can't be looking at these quick fire questions, reading them like that. You got to read them as you go. It's because you were answering. Okay, Dijon or regular mustard? Regular. I hate mustard, so neither. Uh, my, this is the last thing we're going to do because there's a bunch, and we're going to save we're gonna the rest save of these. We have a mark cut off. What are your favorite 16 numbers? Expiration dates and security codes. I don't know. Do you get it yet? <laughs> Is it pie? He asked about identity theft earlier. Ah. <laughs> and he said, what's your favorite 16 numbers, credit card, expiration date, and security code? I get it. Yeah. You're sly. All right. And then we have one question down here from Mr. Josh. It says, how many PS4 controllers have you bought? Five. Over the course of owning it, I have had five. I've had the standard black one. Oh, my gosh. I just hit the mic thing again, and that hurt. Okay. Hold on, though. How many have you bought? Do we want to include the ones that come with your PS4? No, no, I was just leading off with that one. Okay, I'm about yeah. to say, but do do we want to include it? No, okay. okay. I didn't think so because it comes, comes with the console. It's included, yeah. yeah. So I bought another black one to play multiplayer games with with me and my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. But uh, we had a um, we got another black one after that one had broke. That actually stepped on it while we were playing uh, Overcooked because we were sitting in our living room floor, and I got up, stepped on that one. Saw a step so on a lot of controllers. I have stepped on a lot of controllers. Um, then I had the bright red one, which the battery pack in that one actually died. Um, I had the clear one that I bought to replace the uh, the black one, or the the bright red one, which was really really cool. Uh, but uh, I got that knocked off the counter by my cat, and I don't know what happened there. But I actually tried taking it apart, and I could not figure out what went wrong, uh, and it just 
was a, I couldn't get it fixed. So now I have the Navy. It's like a Glacier Blue controller. I think is what it's called. Maybe that's the Microsoft Xbox controller. Like it's 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 your dark one. Yeah, it's like a dark blue, but it's not navy. It's, it's like, like midnight royal, blue or, or something midnight. Like that. Yeah. yeah, and now I have that one. Um, actually, no six because I did have another one that I did. Uh, I I actually broke by an accident because I raged at Destiny, and it was it was one of those times in which I had the PS4 controller in my hand, and I just meant to like it was doing something in Gambit, and my teammate was being really really annoying, and like I went to go kind of like hit it on the arm of my chair. For those watching the YouTube video, you'll see what I mean like this with my fist but when i went to do that i missed and the analog stick clipped the edge of the chair and it bent the analog stick and made it lazy and you can't fix that i took that controller apart and i like took all the rubber bands off and i put it all back in place and it still would not hold in spot it was dead yeah um let's see right now i bought uh, an extra one whenever i bought the console at launch uh so that's one um i bought See, all the ones, I bought so many PS4s at this point that I can't only count. So I've only bought three. I bought the extra black one. I bought the Goku controller that I have. And I bought the controller. Uncharted Blue-Gray. I, that's my least favorite color of any, like... That Blue-Gray? Yeah, I, I do not like that color. Loved it. I still have it. So, I'm still kind of um, sad I didn't get that Xbox controller that I wanted. See, like, I bought three. Blue one. I've had more than that. Because, like, right now I have my see-through uh, blue one that comes from the uh, 500 million special edition console they did. I have the controller that came with the 20th anniversary uh, PlayStation 1 colored console that they did that's not the same as the tw- the anniversary one that you could buy from the store. It's got a special touchpad engraving and whatnot. Um, and, yeah, that's it. That was all the... Oh, well, okay, I could count that one as four. The, tri- oh, yeah. the triangle squared one, but that was kind of different. Have we ever used that controller? I have used it once just to okay. see if it was better or not, and it was, but... It just sits. It's for looks. Gotcha. Was that all the Facebook questions? Not all the Facebook questions. Okay. But if you want to loop something else in, you can go ahead and do some of them. This was the last of this bracket. No, let's just get Facebook out of the way so I can do timestamps easier. Okay. Well, i got to scroll up to find it because of the way that That Facebook happened works. again. and The I flash of the TV? No, it's the light. It's everything. And I'm kind of worried we're going to lose power. See it? I haven't seen it up here, though. It's literally doing it up there. That's why that's flashing. It's a TV flashing. It's a light. See? I saw it again. Well, here's the hope, and we don't. I swear. I, I, I promise you guys, if this happens, you're not getting remail number seven. <laughs> they can't even hear it if that happens. Did, now, did we do the thing like where if it shuts off for power, does it still save it? Yes, it does. Okay, cool. All right. Here we go with the rest of them. Mr. Josh Ask, Josh Ayers, okay. says, what is the longest game you have gotten the platinum in? Oh, God. Bloodborne, I guess. Like the longest game, like man, I don't know. That's a, I, that's the one. I that's spent a the weird most, question. That's a, that's the one I spent the most time on it, just due to the nature of the game. Like I always spend hundreds of hours on the Souls games because I play them once. And like for an example, on Sekiro, I am at thirty hours, and I'm on the last boss. Like I'm at almost exactly thirty eight hours uh, when I checked that yesterday. Um, and then I'm gonna replay it again, uh, three or four times to find all the secrets on my own. Use a guide to find the rest. Probably trying to get the platinum because I actually like the game enough to get a platinum in it enough, and then attempt to speed run it. So yeah, by nature, Bloodborne, I guess. Okay, well, I'm gonna say longest game from like a just general standpoint that I have a platinum in. My name is Mayo. Probably one of the Far Cry games in terms of. Oh yeah, them were too grindy for me. 
I don't know because I, I don't. I mean, if it's time to platinum, then it's Terraria. We've already talked about that a number of times, though. Yeah, that's true. It took me that, like that took you four years. Yeah, essentially, years. but a bunch of going in and out of. I'd say probably hour wise, probably three hundred hours. So, all right. Next up, Josh Shoop asks, "What's the manliest movie ever made?" Any answer outside of Predator is unacceptable. I, I mean, a lot of flag for this, but I hate the original Predator movie, like a lot. Like, I don't like that movie at all. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, man. Predator yeah, was an awesome movie. I, yeah. I, For the time, to be fair. I, I but it's still more, a good movie. I am much more of an Alien fan. Oh, yeah. But Predator. Alien as a whole different setup. Alien is awesome. It's not necessarily the epitome of what society would consider manly at the time period. I think I got scarred by PTSD because of Predator when I was young. Like, I remember it was one of those times in which I'm trying to catch a nip slip on HBO when I'm like eight years old. <laughs> and Predator was on. And it was Predator 2. And that's when they're in New York. And I'm like, what is this weird movie? And then uh, I saw Predator. And I'm like, well, nope, not watching that. And I got scared, so scared that like I could not sleep that night. And, uh, yeah, I tried to rewatch Predator 1 like years later. I'm just like, I don't – it's too far after the time of which I should have watched it for me. It's one of those things that like – it's hard to watch like something that's old and black and white for me because it's just like – it's out of my era. Uh, so Predator I, I have to look real quick at the – oh, I think it's – I don't even care for them because I, I hate the movies. It's the Expendables. The Expendables. Yeah, yeah the Expendables knew. is the main. That was the first thing. I, so I guess I'm going to guess that because that's the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah. That, so. when, when I heard the manliest, whenever I heard the manliest of anything, like before he even said movie, I thought of the Expendables just because yeah. of its cast. Yeah. Even though I've never seen a single one. But yeah, I'm going to go are. with that just because the cast. You ready? Josh asked. Same Josh. Uh, have you guys ever considered doing game reviews now that you are tackling journalism? It certainly could be something worth checking out. Just be ready for lots of criticism, hey, even with your normal articles. I have done three game reviews. Almost published one of them. I want to apologize to Josh Fairhurst. <laughs> for those that don't know... Um, we have gotten one early review copy for something uh, as we've done this, and we got it for, um, oh, wow. Saturday morning Saturday RPG. Saturday morning RPG, and I played that, and I beat it, and I thought it was a cute game and that it's worth playing if you like that. Once again, that's very related to the uh, Predator. It's one of those things that I wasn't born in the, the 80s time zone that this was kind of taking place in, uh, but it was a really cute and charming game, and I didn't enjoy, enjoy it that much. But I had a video up and edited everything, and something kept happening with us. Like, we just couldn't get it out. Like, and then it came way too far after review or for launch. And I still probably have that video. Do I still have that video? Yeah. I, okay, that's still on my new computer. I, for some reason, thought I was on my old computer. So I still probably have that video up somewhere. Uh, but it was recorded with a video, a script. Uh, everything. I showed Brett like a clip of it. Yeah. Uh, from my phone, that because I, I was proud when I got it done, but something happened. And I can't remember what it was that we just never ended up getting it out. And I think that it might have been because we didn't, we couldn't figure out intro graphics at the time for something. And I, then something I honestly else. don't. It's been so long. It's been a long time. It's been about a year and a half now. So obviously, Saul has the uh, the want to do it. I'll say this: I'm never going to say never. Uh, Reviews are such a weird thing that I honestly have said from the get-go, I prefer, and we just haven't had time for it either, and it's just a number of reasons. It's us trying to do more with the show outside of just Triangle Squared, trying to start up the Off-Topic Podcast. I have another show that I've been working on so much, and I can't figure out this one technical thing, so I've actually laid off of about a week and a half because it's just been frustrating it's me. It's been a big old quest um, for you. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, with, you know... I, th I like the idea of impressions more because what it does is it kind of lets you do the uh, do a review in a more chilled out, relaxed, and kind of discussed 
orient and I like being able to bounce my ideas off someone else's and see. So it's, it's kind of the idea again that you may say something that you were too shallow in your thought on and then the other person says something that doesn't quite line up with you and it kind of forces you to think and go, you know what? Yeah, you're probably, I think you're right on that. And it just, I think it lends that, to a better discussion that you can really listen to to see if it sounds like the game is for you or not. But that depends on what style of review you like. That's the tricky thing with reviews is that shortly after there may be a comment that may sway you, and then, but your review set in stone. That's not something you can really go back and edit constantly. That's not the... Uh, or at least, I think once you put out something like that, you really shouldn't. It's like, well, this is my review. Well, in yeah, the moment, this is that's the it. ethic of the review, yeah. yeah. So that's how you felt at that moment. That's what you wrote it on. Yeah, so. so... But I will say that, yeah, I agree. Like, I really still... Uh, I have a headset article typed up for jackofallcontrollers.com, the website we write for. Um, and that's ready to go, actually. So, like, I probably should submit that soon. I'm going to read it over once again. I may even send it to Rhett to read to see what he thought of it. Uh, but basically, I took five controller or five headsets that I've had throughout. I've had way more than five headsets, by the way. Brett can attest to that. But um, I took five headsets that I thought would be the ones that you would look at and tell you why or why you shouldn't buy them. Uh, spoiler alert, never buy the Sony Silvers. Uh, but Brett, next question. All right. Uh, still from Josh Shoup, he says, what is a conspiracy that you actually can buy into? And real quick, Donovan said, uh, the Trump family time travel. Have you seen this one? Yes, I have. <laughs> Donovan, you're an idiot. <laughs> And he uh, said uh, Nikola Tesla conspiracy because Tesla was tied into that. Yeah. Uh, a conspiracy theory. Or Tesla's work was tied into that. But anyway. There's a couple. It's crazy that you asked that, Josh, because I love conspiracies and I like your podcast about them too. Yeah. Shout out to our boy, Josh. Uh, what is his podcast name? You. You. Ju- why would you do this to me? It's the same thing with Wargroove. <laughs> I know. Oh, Lord. I was literally about to say it. It's going to um, kill me. Josh, we're not good friends. I'm sorry. No, it's one of those times in which I was literally about to say it, and then Brett thought about it. (laughs) I know. Um, Oh, man, that's going to bother me. But anyways, now I can't even think of a conspiracy theory. I really have like three, in which I think that are so crazy they have to be true. Okay, Saul has one. Death Stranding is actually PT. Yes. That one, that has lost traction throughout the years. I was heavily, heavily into the Kool-Aid on that one. Um, okay, I think it's conspiracy therapy. Yes. Yeah. So shout out to that. It took us long enough. Um, what do you think? Uh, do you I'm buy... really trying to think. There's something... Okay, me so... And, me and Joe were talking about this the other night until like 3 a.m. Uh, on, on a PlayStation party about conspiracies and... Okay, I well, think this is one real quick, and I'm just going to see if you've even heard of it. I had to remember that that was his name or not. I have heard that of it, yeah. Whether H.H. H. Holmes or not was Jack the Ripper. Jack, yeah. Uh, and oh, I think oh, that uh, one has some credibility. Uh, oh, my gosh. Now I can't think of anything. This is riveting podcasting, so... I've had, yeah, I, had, I, had, I feel like I had brain aneurysm. Um, Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> but to be serious, there is a couple, and I can't... This is what sucks, is that, like... I can't think of them, but there are some that are actually like, they sound ridiculous, but then when they're explained out and I, you know what? I'm just going to go look real quick because I know where I saw it at. Um, uh, but the thing about conspiracy theories, it gets really weird. And we talked about this on the test episode we did for the, uh, off topic podcast is that, um, 
you know, they are so crazy, but a lot of the time you end up hearing them or seeing the information from one side that's giving you the information in such a way that it feels like it's too uncanny to not be true. But when you actually dig further and start looking around that you start seeing a lot of conflicting information and it makes it to where it's not as in your head of like, well, there's, this is for sure what happened. So this is very likely the conspiracy happened this way. I can't find it, but I, I just now remember what it was. It was at the nine year or 10 year selfie challenge is a thing so that it can treat uh, Google or other software, uh, any kind of facial recognition software to recognize your face by submitting two pictures 10 years apart to an algorithm. Oh, so they can understand how you've changed in your 10 years? Yes. Yeah, so that's actually kind of, not that crazy sounding yes. of a thing. Uh, that was one. I did see, because uh, one of my favorite things to do on Reddit is to go through, ask Reddit, and go through the most popular posts of all time and uh, favorite them and read through them. But I think there was one about music um, that I saw that I can't remember what it was, and it involved the Beatles, Journey, uh, Rolling Stones. It involved a couple of Led Zeppelin, like some of the older bands. Okay. And how they're all connected by one record label that was never really a record label. And how, like, you would know that they're all by this one record label and it was a big scheme. And it was basically that these bands all came out within a similar time era. And they started with, like, the Beatles and then they fell out with Led Zeppelin. And then Journey, like they almost went through up decades throughout the uh, throughout the past. Okay, and they were like these bands came out and they were formulated to compete uh, for the biggest popularity at the time. And they showed you graphs and stuff about like their popularity change. And it was like someone sat in their room for hours to plan this conspiracy theory out. I'm gonna believe it's true just for the sake of that individual sanity. But it was so detailed. It was. It, uh, there was a Google Drive document with 300 pages explaining the history of these bands and like why they correlate to each other. Yeah. So, it, and I don't know how you want to consider it because how deep and how important I love it was. Conspiracy theories, but one of the conspiracy theories that I was really behind for a long time, and then it actually ended up coming out as true, was when a lot of people, me included, would say that uh, Apple would purposely go through and essentially, like, what 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 would the word be? They would stifle your old phone or whatever you even want oh, to yeah. use so they would That's, specifically lower the power and make it make, people every, would always say they make it more buggy so you want to buy the new one company does that it's but, just apple got caught <laughs> and, samsung does that without a doubt just uh, from I'm, having note 4 from that launch to like two years later was like almost unusable because constantly had to be plugged in yeah uh and, and, but you know what's funny that's not a thing lately what it's come down to is it's not a conspiracy theory in the sense of like it, honestly it's not even it, it's not that it's ill intent it might be i mean but they do have a basis of reality which was makes when they came out and it was found it was apple saying well uh, your battery degrades over time so to make your battery last as long as you're expecting the battery to what we do is we underclock the processor so that it doesn't expand your battery too much so that you still get a reasonable thing yeah now what you can people pick. want is yeah you should be able to say, I either want my phone to be stifled so I get the battery life that I use, or I want it to stay at its thing, and then if I choose to have to replace my battery to keep the experience up, then I can do that. But that was one I was really behind, and of course it finally came out as true. So, uh, But I know that he probably means on a more grand scheme than that one. I just think that one's pretty funny. There's a cool, interesting theory that all dogs are demons. I've heard that one. It's because, like... But that pl- makes no sense to me. They play it on uh, Deception. Because Lucifer is the great deceiver, and that they say that what is the one thing that you would never uh, realize you're being deceived, and that's man's best friend. It was not man's best friend. Yeah, y'all, go, right. y'all go check it out. Next question from Josh Hoop. 
And he says, do you fellas believe in ghosts? Any experiences? Yes, absolutely. And I've told an experience before about my grandfather's cabin on the podcast before. You have? Uh, actually, didn't. Do you think that this I is think a question you asked that question. Did you ask that question before, Josh? I think you did. And you don't realize? Who knows? But yeah, like, uh, I had that experience. And I had one more experience that I think I was going to tell, but I might not have. Re- like, let me know if I... If, um, if it sounds familiar. If it sounds familiar, yeah. But it was... Uh, me, Seth, and Dad were out hunting when we were younger, and we stopped hunting around. I was thirteen or fourteen, so it was around there. And we would do these. We would get in these tree stands, and we'd get out there at like four thirty to five a.m. in the morning, still dark. And uh, I would pretty much fall asleep with Seth. Like we would sit there, we like sit up in the tree stand side by side, and sleep was, on each other's shoulders, essentially. No, like I, I'm one of those that can like lean my head back and fall asleep. That's yeah. why I got neck problems. Uh, but it was basically a bench style seating and it would fit me, uh, me in the middle, my little brother to my right and my dad to my left. And I would fall asleep. Like I, I wouldn't make sounds when I slept. My dad didn't care. He was just trying to hope we would go with him on this kind of adventure, um, and spend time with him. And it was fun, but you know, being 13 or 14 in the video games, hunting is not something you wanted to do, but we were out there one morning, and we would always go hunt in a city called Arkadelphia, which is about an hour and ten minutes away from here. And we had a cabin, and I told the story about the cabin before, and that was essentially seeing a ghost of my dad's old friend. But this one was more vivid to me, and I still kind of chalk it up to being a dream. And I just fell asleep on the um, in the deer stand, and I remember I woke up, and it was dusk, or dawn, technically dawn, and um, you could see, like, uh, sunlight beaming through the trees. Mm-hmm. And it illuminated some parts of the woods we were in. Some parts were darker than others. But it was generally just kind of a pinkish, like, red sky as the sun rises. And I'll never forget it. I, like, woke up, and I'm sitting there, and we had a little bottle of water and a little thing of uh, graham crackers. And I was just, like, I took a sip of my water. And I turned to look at Seth, my brother on my right, and out. I see it directly head on is something there. And I'm just like, I don't know what that is, but I see it. And it's, and it's partially dark, but not too dark. But there's something that I am aware of is standing and looking at me. And it is not an animal. It is a human, but I can't tell if it's a man or female or yeah, man or female. I can't tell if it is old or young. I just see like something there and I blink and it's gone. And it's just like, I can't think back. To like then and like was that a dream and I really hadn't woken up yet and it's ingrained in my memory as that but whatever it is I still can't to this day describe what I was looking at I all I know is that imagine if if imagine if a room is pitch black and you've been in that room for say two or three minutes now and your eyes have somewhat adjusted the darkness been all of the way and you look in the corner you see somebody standing there you can make out what that person is your brain kind of fills in the rest it yeah, was like that sure but I don't know, like I said, I'm pretty sure that was a dream, but it felt real to me. And I remember being shooken up for the rest of the day because of it. Because I remember I was like, Dad, Dad, what is that? And thinking it had hit behind a tree or something. Because when I mean it was gone when I blinked, it was literally like I like blinked and it was literally nowhere inside. And it yeah. was next to a tree. So my dad actually took his rifle scope. And we, he actually aimed it at the tree to our right. And we were sitting there, and he stared at it for a solid five, ten minutes. And I stared at that tree, not blinking, not doing anything, and nothing was behind that tree. Did you tell your dad what it was? Like, what you thought I couldn't you saw? Des- I, couldn't, I couldn't describe it at that age. I, thought, I basically told him that there was somebody over there. And so, of course, we're hunting. My dad's like, people out here with guns, so we were going to be safe about it. Um, he called out three or four times, and then 
didn't didn't hear nobody call back. And this tree was from here to like your TV in there, like twenty feet away from me at yeah. most. Yeah. And then so he, he he took the rifle scope off the rifle and aimed it straight down and just kind of used it as a binocular. And so he kind of stood there for a second and like I don't guess he may have saw anything or couldn't see anything because how close we were. But he just sat there and stared at it with me. And he's like, there's none over there, son. And like, I'll never forget. I never took my eyes off that spot for the rest of the time we were there, which was about another five minutes. <laughs> Cause I was like, I gotta go pee. We gotta go. I ain't going to pee alone. <laughs> uh, I I've said this before. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly positive, but I'm in the firm belief of no. Um, and there's a number of reasons. I mean, I'm not really a religious person. And even then I actually find it really odd. And I mean, not to hate on any, any of the religious thing. I just find it really odd when I know of religious people who consider that to be real. And dude, that's, that's so much more sad. If you think that that's like, like if you're religious and you in that and you fall oh, in the okay, camp that ghosts would exist, it's like, that means that these people have not been able to do what you think that they're intended to do, yeah, like, uh, which there's a lot of different views of Christianity on that. Anyway, there's people who believe that you don't go to heaven or hell uh, until the, the day of the rapture and the day of judgment. There's people that believe that once you die, you go to heaven. I've um, never heard either one of these, like especially the, the once you die, free ticket to heaven thing. No, not a free ticket to heaven. I'm sorry, but once you got, once you die, you go to heaven or hell. Like at that moment, like, you know, once you oh, pass, okay, you go to judgment then and there. Then there's other people that think you don't get judged until the day of reckoning. I've um, never heard that. That's so, a super interesting, like, thought process. There. Yeah, so, you know, and they think in the in-between, your soul just becomes, like, you know, your soul just kind of left until the day that Jesus comes and asks us to rise and follow him. And then at that time, everyone who believed in him at any point in time will follow him. I'm pretty sure to be fair. This, and this is after a lot of conversations with some of my religious friends, you know, I, I used to consider myself an atheist, but I've come to the point where I, I do think it's foolish to believe wholeheartedly in either sense, in my own opinion. Uh, so I think it's foolish of me to say that I know without a doubt, there's absolutely nothing there, but I also think it's, I also think it's a little foolish to know without a doubt that there is something there. Um, and that's just my personal view on it. So I leave it at that. I kind of just, I guess I'll say I'm agnostic at this point. I don't really think that there's anything there, uh, but I'm not foolish enough to think that I, as a person, am smart enough to be able to declare that with, with absolute factual. That's kind of what I so, go towards. I know um, that I, we talked which, about this I don't know why that got in the, I guess because it, it, to me, ghosts are always weird because it's a spiritual thing. It, it, it really is a spiritual thing. I mean, right. it's, it's based around the idea that you have a belief that our soul lives on after our body. So it does depend on the way that you view the world. And I mean, personally, I've never had any experience I've had experiences where I've been scared of things, but I always have been able to rationalize what it was that scared me in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've never had a moment where I've been deathly terrified of something See and have this? not been able to explain it. Uh, so I'm, it may be that I think experiences can definitely guide that. You know, I think that there are some people who like, you know, if we want to talk about ghosts, uh, ghosts and aliens are very similar in the sense of people being like, well, you know, there's really no way to prove either way if, if they have your experience happened. Uh, but you know, the thing about aliens is it's the same thing. There are people that very seriously haven't experienced it. For whatever reason, they are entirely sure in their mind that it was aliens and, and they can't shake it. Uh, and I think that yeah, you, you, you have that a little bit, you know, with your experience, definitely the cabin experience. Um, yeah, the cabin experience is like, that was a ghost. But this experience was like, I don't know what that was. I'm pretty sure it's a dream. I just tell myself it's a dream because I can't. There's no logical explanation in my head for anything sure. else. Sure, yeah. Like, not even a ghost, like, to me. That's not something that I would thought would have been a ghost. So. Yeah. Okay, next one up. If you were picking up road munchies, what do you get? Beef jerky. Beef jerky. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, beef, beef jerky, I guess. Like, I was trying so, to do we include drinks in this? Turkey bites. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Go for it. What, what, what do you get to drink with your beef jerky? White Powerade. 
White Powerade. Yeah, that sounds really weird when you say it slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like white, it's, it's it's glacier cherry, uh, I think is what it's really called. That might be. Have the, you ever uh, seen that meme that has all like the, the Power Rangers saying like, what, uh, red power, black power. <laughs> they get to the white ranger and he's like, well, damn. <laughs> uh, I think That's it a great is meme. glacier cherry, uh, white cherry. But like. There white a, cherry Powerade. I've never had that. It's, it's just the white one. It's good. It's my favorite. Okay. Uh, I'll try that. Gatorade has a glacier cherry. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's what theirs is called, which is yeah. white too. And theirs is really heavy on cherry where this isn't. Kind of um, like the white uh, when you get like a uh, an icy and it's white, but it's white cherry. Very similar to that. Yeah. yeah. Except Powerade. I love white Powerade cherry. Has just, it's almost like it's light on the cherry, but it's something I can't describe it. It's good. Okay. That makes sense. Um, my Tur- Turkey bites and that. My thing is I either swing either way. If, I, if I'm leaning towards the sweet side, I'll tend to either get one of those big Texas cinnamon rolls or a blueberry muffin, but the blueberry muffin has to be specific. If it's not Otis Spumeyer's. I, yep. I I've tried a few that have passed the test outside of that, Nothing but it's very rare. It's very rare that, that they end up being good at all. A lot of them are dry and I don't care for them. And they end up kind of That's making what you coffee. That's always are. It's like, and like, you know, when you eat one, you're like, oh. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, oh, I don't care for that. Always moist. As a matter of fact, I need to go to Amazon right now and look at those. <laughs> Buy a box. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'll do those. And typically my drink uh, it used to be a Mountain Dew Voltage whenever I was on the road. It can be like my spoiling for myself. I've recently did, been doing the Mountain Dew Game Fuels because there's less sugar and stuff in them. Uh, and, I, and I like the way they taste. And I think the can's also really neat. Because you can close the top of the can. Yeah, I love that. I think all cans should go that route. I think it's a great operation. But, I mean, I'm sure that there's some kind of cost reason as to why it wouldn't be effective. All right. um, Let's see. I think that we have one more set up with a couple here. Why can't I just buy Blueberry? Because they don't want to. Okay, Josh has two more questions. What are some of your biggest pet peeves? Uh, I've talked about it before, uh, especially with gaming. And that's like... Uh, people you're playing with not contributing like they should and then acting like they are or they're getting mad at people who are contributing. Um, I've gotten into arguments there. And then my other pet peeve is that like and for like a real life thing. Those destiny raids, man. Dude, those destiny raids are rough, especially with, with terrible people. And the you upside know, you is know who you are. The biggest upside is is that at least I can say that me and you and Joe have done a ton of raids together to the point where I never in a raid have we been the source of the problem. And nope. I'm, I'm I'm proud of that. There was one time there was in in uh, Taken King and Destiny One and King's Fall on hard mode that I was having one problem and I couldn't grasp it and then I finally did and it, that was like two wipes worth. Yeah, but two uh, wipes is one thing. Like, you know, when we were going with certain people in the bathhouse and we we're going like 50 runs and you're just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, my other biggest pet peeve in life outside of gaming is that when people are always complaining, oh, this ain't getting done, this ain't getting done, and then they don't contribute to getting it done. That's actually mine. Yeah. Uh, those, because I consider those people to be right along with the people. And this is essentially what I mean with that, though, uh, is uh, the. I cannot stand when you have people around you who are essentially just the world's out to get me and everything's out to get me. And they're just like, I can't catch a break. Uh, and that's like, you know, my brother Dude, is one of the worst people, of that, gonna, was, but he's gotten a lot better. I wasn't going to call your brother out specifically, but like, it seems that the worst dirt bags, and I'm not going to call your brother a dirt bag, but in the past, you can kind of get the, I'm not going to just say it. He knows, he knows yeah. he's been, I mean, but no, I'm not saying that I'm saying the type of person he is and yeah. what he affiliated with. Yeah. yeah Those I type know. of people are always the ones that, Oh, what was me thing? I was like, yeah. you literally put yourself in that position. And then, don't get me wrong. Every human has a chance, has a, a, a time in their life where you feel like it's just that everything's against you. It's like, man, I don't know what's up with this week. It's like the week is out to get me. This whole week has just been bad, but there's a lot difference between, you know, it being one or two 
two things or maybe even a week's worth, and then you shake it and you go, that's not how the world works, versus people who spend years drowning in their own pity just saying that the world is not, you know, the, the world's out to get me. Everyone's out to get me. I can't catch a break. Yeah. But they don't do a damn thing to change it. Yeah. That is one of the biggest pet peeves I have. Guess what? Sometimes you you, you either have to <laughs> you either have to understand. Um, I don't know why it's showing us in the Twitter, but it's showing the freaking woodworking thing. Do you ever change it? <laughs> no. We're still a woodworking <laughs> podcast on Twitter. I, I got to fix that. Um, but, yeah, you know. There's a lot of people like that who exactly what you're talking about. They never do anything to change it. You know, you can't go through your entire life. You either have to accept the situation that you're in because you realize why you're in it and why you're not wanting to go outside of that for whatever reason it be versus, you know, what you may have to do to be able to change yourself to go towards the positive so that you can say that you've done something to better yourself. I constantly, I use this as an example of my sister the other day. She's young and asking a lot of questions and thinking like, well, I just can't get anything to work for me. I was like, listen, that's not the way to look at the world. I like, you know, the thing, the thing of it is, I want to do things in my own life, but I've taken a lot of risk and I am where I'm at a little bit because of luck and a little bit because I went above and beyond to push myself and try and get into a better position. Uh, now I was like, you know, that doesn't mean I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm at a position right now where I have a wife and kid, a wife who's doing a career that's a little volatile and that she left working and doesn't have steady income and can't pay any of the bills and stuff right now. And I pay for all the bills and we have a daughter that's about to start school. And right now I'm having to pay for her to do all of her daycare and stuff like that. And we'll eventually have to pay for her to go to school, wherever we go to school with. So these are things that, you know, I am okay in the career I'm in right now. I'm, I'm happy that I'm in it and I appreciate, I'm appreciative that I've ended up here, but yeah, this is not the, the end goal for me, but right now it's too risky for me to quit my job to go and chase after a dream, like doing something like this all day because I just can't. And that's okay. The world's not out to get me. I've made a conscious decision to not ruin my family's lifehood so that I can put everything I have into doing this. I put everything else I have into doing this as much as I possibly can, but I still have to work because I have a family I have to take care of. So that's my choice. That's not the world out to get me. That's not me going, oh man, the world's put me in this position where I've got this kid and this wife and I can't take any chances. No, you can take chances if you want to. You make the decision whether you do or don't. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Now, this second question, I just skimmed it a second ago on accident, uh, but it's an interesting question. What is something that you love about each other? What is something that you hate about each other? I hate how Brett sometimes seems like he's a contrarian. <laughs> you, you know what? I will say this. But I love that he's a good friend. <laughs> Thanks, so. I was like, that's literally like the only thing that every now and then you'll just say something. I'm like, he's just saying that to get on my nerves. Oh, okay. Now, there are times where I say it on purpose to get on your nerves. No, I know. But then there are sometimes. But there are times where, and I've caught myself in it too. And sometimes I really do believe in it, but I just, and it's something I've been working on for years. You can tell, you know, Blaze this too. And it's it's part of it just happens with growing up and being mature, but like not saying that you, and not saying that you automatically hate something when you don't even know what it is. Yeah. I got to work on that still. See, and, and I mean, everybody has it to an extent, but how much do you do it? A lot. And, and it comes down to me. There's a lot of, of examples of bands that, like, the first time I heard them or saw them, I was like, nah. And then they ended up coming back around to them, and they're one of my favorite architects bands. Architects is like that for me. I was like, I don't really like Architects. I listen to Doomsday. I'm like, this ain't really for me. And then now I've listened to it again. I'm like, you know what? It's pretty good. It's a great song, yeah. See, like, Hardest, you know, when Blaze first showed me them, it was... Uh, Man. It was... I, hope, you know, I know you're talking about one specific album. It said, Where Did I Go Wrong? It was their first EP. And it was the video for Where Did I Go Wrong? And, of course, I couldn't get over because I was probably 21 at the time and i could not get over the fact that well that came out to the 12 so i guess i was 19 um i couldn't i couldn't get over the fact that he had a, a mullet 
And it was just, it was stupid to me. And the song was kind of like a catchy, it was, it was a single. So of course I was like, eh, whatever, this is a single, whatever. Guys got a mullet. This is ridiculous. Right. I don't know why, but I let it, like I came back to it to show Hannah to make fun of his mullet. Because uh, I just thought it was and funny. And you were like, this is catchy. And then, hold on. And I was like, well, that wasn't that bad. And then the next song came on, and it wasn't one of the singles, and it was really heavy. And I was like, damn, that was kind of cool. And then I got to the point where I was like, I got to stop judging things off of very little information. Uh, you know, and, and I'll even give the example of, in Blaze Notes, I was, I still think that there's a lot of problems I have, and there's a lot of, of dance game and dance that I still don't like. But it's trying to stop yourself from automatically having the... They got some bangers, though. They do. And I can still say all day long, my original critique of them is still true. Yeah. They have dumb lyrics. But have I gotten to the point where I'm, I accept the, what I consider to be the bad and take the good with it? Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was talking about with the whole viewing the world uh, as always against you. That also goes in the way you view things. You don't need to always view everything from a negative standpoint. And I think a lot of people do. We're jaded. But that's true. My answer towards you is going to be something that's funny because it's the same answer both ways. Would you care to guess? No, I have no idea. Okay. What I love about Saul, actually, I'm going to start with hate because I it's more funny. Something delicious. That smells good. What I hate about Saul is when you're talking to him, and he does this two different ways. He does it one way where it's serious and he just did oh, not no, hear you. I already know what it is. And then the second one is whenever he's doing it to be funny. But those times are really rare, just so you know. <laughs> you know that I, you know that I do it to be funny when I'm laughing when yes. I do it. Now, okay, there's the thing that Saul does where if he is for some reason just far enough away from you or in the backseat of a car and you're saying something or even like you just happen to be facing away from him and you say something because you're looking around. I have really bad hearing. He will think that you said something entirely different. And it's not even... I don't even try to say what you say. I just guess like, what? You, what? <laughs> like, and I'll say like, uh, Brett could say something like, there are snails in the yard. And I'm like, there are whales Where? And it's just like it's more than that, though. I said it the other day when we were in Dallas. Uh, I was talking to Blaze. I was like, "What's so funny about Saul doing that is that sometimes it, you can kind of understand where he's coming from with what, what you think he heard, and then and the other times like where it it's all. like you'll be like, "Hey, man, can I park my bike here?" And you're like, "What? You have a house on what street?" <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, sometimes my hearing is really, really bad, especially if there's outside music or, like, in the car with music or traffic. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'll, I'll sit there when you're like, that's what I said. Sometimes you've said that before, and it's so wildly different. I'm like, he's messing with me. He didn't say that. So, like, I try to go through my head, like, how did I hear that? I'm like, he's not. He didn't really say that. Now he's just changing it to so make it funny. I have never done that to you, just I'm, so I'm, you know. I, I've guessed that, but I'm like, there are times, <laughs> specifically in the car, where I'm just like... That's not what he said. He's just messing with me. Yeah, but I also love it. It's one of those weird things where I hate it because it makes me just groan. And sometimes it's one of those things where it's like depending on my mood. Sometimes I'll already be in a man mood and you say it. I'm like, God damn it, you idiot. <laughs> and then and then there's times where I'm in the right mood and you say it. And it just makes me laugh because of how off the wall the crap you come up with is. And it's always one of those things where for me, I'm like, what is this? Right. And so, it's totally by accident. There's one or two times, maybe three, that I've done it on purpose because what you said sounds funny. Yeah. The um, other thing I'll say, though, and this ties into it just a little bit, is we've talked about this before, I think maybe even on the podcast, is how when there's a long phrase, you start to add certain words into it that aren't It's there. not a long phrase. It's when I can't remember a phrase, I start to add words to it. And it's so, namely, it's not even phrases. It's it's song titles. So my example for this is that there's a Being as an Ocean song, song called Grace Teaches What We Lack. And, and Grace. So I'll be like, teaching us what we are lacking. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go to the restroom real quick. I'm gonna let Brett lead off on Twitter. Okay. Oh, let me get over to that. Okay. Let's see. 
My bad, people. All right, here we go. First question from Twitter, and I'm trying to pull Saul's laptop to me. Sorry. Uh, Blake asks, are you ever going to make a Dark Souls remastered custom case with a little sly face there? Uh, Blake has been the lucky winner of, I think, the Dark Souls 3 case? Or, no, the Bloodborne case, I think is what it was. And then he's also a patron of ours, so uh, whenever his three months hit and he got to choose one, he chose the Dark Souls 3 one. Uh, so right now he's wanting to get another one to fill out his little uh, custom case selection. So uh, I don't know. That's something that we very well might get around into. Uh, I need to get back into custom case making. I've just had a lot of personal things I've been trying to take care of while I was also trying to get some shows and stuff off the ground. Uh, the off topic is so close to airing. We have a name set in stone. Uh, we love it. Uh, we're not going to reveal it just yet. Uh, we're working on a uh, logo. We have a logo set in stone. But we want to go do a little bit more in terms of how we want to set it into the set design and all that. Um, so once I get into a time period where I can, I think I might because I had some other people ask me. Uh, and I think it would be fun to do. Uh, I try not to do ones that I don't think will be fun. Uh, I also like to really do it whenever they're around the hype of a game because typically I'm hyped too. So like the Kingdom Hearts 3 case, I had a blast doing because it was a game I was excited for. Uh, it came, it was a fun time to do it. It got a lot of attention. So it was kind of a win-win all the way around. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 was a very similar situation. I was hyped but also nervous because I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. So I had a lot of fun designing it. Um, and it was from a series that I didn't have a lot of experience with. So we'll see. I might very well do that. And that's all. That didn't have anything to do with Saul anyway. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, let's see. Mr. Oathkeeper Kiki, also a patron of ours, says, Do you guys feel there should be a limit on how many games a studio is allowed to develop to tell a story? Now, I find this question interesting. I think this probably has something to do uh, with something along the lines of like uh, how we've heard that final fantasy seven remake is going to be uh potentially broken into two or three games uh to tell this same story but with a more fleshed out version of the world around it so there'd be better side quests newer like new side quests uh new npcs you'd be seeing you'd walk around all of midgar instead of just little coy segments of it so i think that the question might be aimed towards something like that or maybe even something like kingdom hearts where they tell the entirety of the dark seeker saga took place over like 11 or 10 games i don't know the exact number because of all the hd remakes um but i i don't know i don't think that there really should be the thing about it is i've said it a million times i don't believe in uh regulation in that sense at all. I, I think that just like what we talked about with the most recent episode with uh, Sekiro in the easy mode is it comes down to what the developer ultimately wants to do. And I don't think that there should be anything that stops them from doing what they want to outside of the normal things that already do that. So like right now, uh, if it comes down to a game developer being like, listen, you know, or the publisher, I mean, being like, listen, uh, this game series has not been doing that well. Uh, we'll give you one more game to finish it off. Hopefully it sells well enough for it to work. Uh, but if you want to finish the story up, you probably want to do it in this one. That'd be a great thing to see. Sometimes it comes down to them trying to set up multiple games uh, and then the sales just don't hit and you end up with a game that's set up for a sequel that never gets one because it just wasn't sales worthy for that or it got too much negative flack in some other way. So either way, I don't feel like that's a fair way to... I don't feel like it's a, a fair constriction to put on a developer. What do you think, Sol? 100% agree. Everything you said. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that they should be able to tell their story how they want to tell it, and no kind of regulation or limit should be able to limit that. And I don't have to agree that it's Unless good. it's some kind it of abusing be terrible. the system kind of thing. Like, And I don't even think that a regulation would do that at that point. If someone's abusing it and they know it, then that game will fail. Like, truly. Like, Battlefront 2... Um, that game, there was so many pictures online of like, um, and that doesn't exactly correlate to this, but it's just like, if, if a company's 
doing shady business practices on such a level that they're that people will vote with their wallet enough, then yeah, that then that'll stop them anyway. So regulation when you have to stop step in, I think. Um, uh, the gaming communities will do that. Consumers act as the regulators, right? Essentially, and, and, but not really, because it still gives the people the freedom to make what they want to make. We just retain our freedom to support what they make, and whether we like it or not, so right? Whether well, we decide whether we want to support it. Or not. And gaming communities are uh, a sole purpose for that, and it actually is the answer for another question you have, which is: Would you guys like for gaming companies to have Discord servers for their games, where the community can give them feedback and such? Uh, the best uh, Discord communities for that are the ones that are made by the gaming community themselves because there's a couple in which devs actually do patrol those Discords. I don't think official Discords for that would be uh, helpful to a sense because uh, games like Risk of Rain are small in scope and development and such. So for like World of Warcraft or Destiny or Battlefront or anything like uh, God of War, stuff like that, Typically, that's not going to be somewhere they're going to go and look for feedback on. Uh, it would be helpful, but I don't think it will happen. I think that gaming communities already do a really, really solid job of that themselves because you can go find uh, Rainbow Six, Destiny, um, God of War. You can go find millions of discords for everything, um, including uh, mediocre PlayStation podcast. And, <laughs> and uh, you can uh, easily find that. And I, th- I do think that to some extent um, – that a lot of ideas shared there are shared in other places like Reddit. And Reddit actually is by far the best platform for that because in Anthem, Destiny, Rainbow, uh, Overwatch, uh, even God of War, I've seen developers for those games in those Reddits discussing mm-hmm. the games and how they can provide feedback and such. And sometimes, most of the time, it's not even developers. It's more of um, not company relations. What is... Um, kind of like the PR people, essentially. Yeah, I was gonna say, what is uh, I can't even think of his name. My memory has has this is like the fourth time this podcast. He's the big uh, PR guy for Destiny. Everybody loves bald I, guy. I, I don't know about that one. Um, because uh, I don't really keep up with Destiny on the social Des, media side. No. Um, but he is well. A lot of these companies have social media people that are involved in doing this. They're they're meant to be like community heads, and they'll go out there and take questions and feedback from the community and kind of field them and act as a spearhead and a figurehead for the community to come in and view it. You know? Yeah. And there's I can't think of his name, but shout out to him because he's he's constantly on the Destiny subreddit and he's co- Cosmo. He's constantly um, help relaying messages to and from Bungie to the community and stuff. And he's a really stand up guy. So. Okay. Well, I think it's an example. Death Gambit had one of these. But I think when you have games release in... Uh, Standard? Well, okay, I think Death Gambit was the team's first game. Uh, yeah. And, there was, and they were taking a big risk by coming to console at the same time. And there, was a, there were problems with it, sadly. Uh, but I think that to an extent that's needed. You know what I mean? And I think a game like Dead Cells might be able to benefit from that as well when you're going into something like early access and you're kind of trying to be like, all right, well, we need to get, we need quick feedback that matters to an extent, and that's why they kind of do that. You answered Kiki's question. That's for next week. You brought it up! You did not. I was in the bathroom when you brought that question. I, I thought this was... You know what? See, I made the same mistake last week, but it was fine. It's fine. <laughs> Shadow One Neo says, "Which engine do you think devel- or which engine do you think developers consider the best platform for creating games on? Unity. I have not heard that. You, no, that's what I think. I think that's one of the best ones because it's so universally known at this point. Unity or, or some form of Unreal. Unreal, probably what I'm Unreal say. three or four. Unreal four is probably the most widely used one. The reason I say Unity is Unity actually misses it. Has a lot of it has a lot missing. Of, yes, but that is one of the go to indie engines. It is, but I think well, it now a, that uh, Unreal is what royalty free. Is it? 
I didn't I thought, see that. I it might be. So. It might be. I, I mean, it might be royalty free, and you just have to pay for the upfront license, uh, which would be great. It'd be a steal for a lot of these developers. Uh, but yeah, I think I think one of the reasons Unity and uh, you know even uh, another one that is very popular that was used for a few games that we've been playing recently is Unreal Game Maker. Is free. So it was it originally launched at nineteen per month plus a royalty fee of five percent. But now Unreal, the latest version of the game engine developed by Epic Games, is now completely free for no one to use. So yeah, going back, I'll say Unreal Four because that's now it's accessible. I will say Unity is still very popular, especially for one it is, of and so people. is Game Maker. Game, uh, Ma- Game Maker is what they made Des Gambit in. They, yes. uh, it's what they made. Uh, what that, is that called though? Is it SSK or something? It's just Game Maker is the is the name of the development. I mean, I I, I've, I've a, actually made a game on it. Yeah, uh, that are really early on, game. really early, early days, uh, and it was a PSP game uh, that I was able to get running on a modded PSP. Uh, and I also made another game outside of that. I made a little action adventure game that was like a top-down Zelda-style game with sprite work. Yeah, and that one I could never get to. I actually I never got both of them you working completely really right. Good music for that, uh, but oh yeah. If you had time, I would have made. I would have liked your music to like you create music for Saw plays because you make some some cool sprite music. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, I mean that's just one of those things. But go ahead. Uh, what what's the next question? Loki. I actually said this as Sean and Neo in the last episode uh, asked this question. So Loki, the correct uh, question giver, says. Is it possible that in the next generation, the big three will win at the same time? PlayStation continues to dominate. Xbox subscription model thrives. And Nintendo is left all alone in the handheld space. Absolutely. And that is what I predict not only will happen. or not all, that, I would not only say that's what I want. I will predict that is what is going to happen. I guarantee you in the next 10 years, Xbox is going to have one of the best model subscriptions that you can have. Hey, if it definitely if Google doesn't stick with it, no Google. Well, I'm just including these three. It's kind of hard to place sure. Google now. Sure, just what, what, what we know. But even when you say the best, I just I think that Sony won't worry about it as much if they just benefit from gaining. My, if they're right, if, if they, they're able to benefit from the rest of our the business model as we know it, yeah. Then then I think there's room for them to go. Okay, well, yeah, Microsoft just comes on as another platform, uh, right? Or yeah, another platform within our our console. Yes, yeah. and that's that's what I think is going to happen. And I've said it time and time again on the podcast too, is that I think that you are in the best space of gaming in this generation to experience everything in the world if you have a decent gaming PC, a Switch, and a PS4 because you can play just about every single thing this generation and last generation with the help of uh, stuff on the PC and on the PS4 with PlayStation Now and then some of their PS2 classics and such. Um, and and then, you get to play all the Microsoft exclusives yes, on the PC. And you have the Switch for games like uh, all the Zelda games, all the JRPGs that are now following its trend to Switch. Me and Joe actually, they're not me and Joe, me and uh, my friend Seth actually talked about this is how, uh, I've said it slightly before, but how the 3DS was such a uh, odd system in terms of that the Switch is almost following its footsteps exactly, where it came out with a couple bad games and then one Zelda game, and then it kind of continued to build on in in the first year, then a year and a half, and then now it's becoming into this monster that we're looking at, I've said it before, uh, recently, I'm more excited for stuff coming out on the Switch in this fu- in this current distant future than I am for PS4. There's more that's intriguing me more about the Switch, and that's what they yeah, and PlayStation's also winding down. That's a, right. that's another thing is right. that we are going towards the end, and that we have the big three, you know, with Death Stranding, uh, Last of Us Two, and Ghost of Tsushima. And I know you're excited for all three of those, but it's like that we've been knowing about them for so long that it's it's in a different world where you can the Switch is kind of in the middle of its welling up period you know it's there's going to be a lot of things on it so i agree i think that there's definitely a good chance that that could happen and i've constantly said that that looks to me and i think even 
from what some of Microsoft is saying, it's, it seems very evident that that's the route they're hoping to take in the long run. I still think they'll end up being a console manufacturer, which will put them in a very odd space. But they might it'll go be the, cool. They might go the discless route. They may be the ones to pioneer discless. And not, I mean, technically, they are going to be pioneering it. Well, they may be the ones up, that but, stick with, with it. And like, that's the only yeah. form. What do you mean? Ouya was discless. Shut up. That does not count <laughs> in any form. Matt Green says, in your favorite games, what do you dislike the most about them? This one's kind of rough. I feel like we had a question like this recently. We did. But I'm still okay with it. Let's yeah. just roll. Um, uh, we did. And, it's, and we, when we say that... We're just giving the viewers a heads up that we are aware that we've answered a question. We're not criticizing you for asking that question. Yeah. So well, just so everybody knows. It may be a slightly different version of it, but we've answered something similar to this. And right. That's fine. We're just doing that in case somebody says, have they answered this before? We kind of answer that question preemptively. But um, I don't like the performance uh, problems that earlier Dark Souls games had, especially at launch. And those are some pretty big glaring issues in my eyes. Performance is important to me in terms of frame rate and stuff. And I don't like how in... Um, Certain other games, Kingdom Hearts 3, God of War, these games that I really, really like and I would consider my favorite games lately, um, have these issues like where you're playing the game and then it stops you. And then it's story, it's very minor story exposition. And then it's so minor that it's like I didn't – like it's almost useless, but it's never 100% useless. I don't – I know that Kingdom Hearts 3, from the way God that you're War, wording it, was far more of a, of a offender in that case. Yeah, I don't God think of God War, of War was ever that bad. They, no. They, they utilized a lot of talking while playing. What God of War did was that it felt padded out, not on purpose, just the way I played the game. It felt padded out towards the end that I got that same feeling of like, come on, let's get this over with. I'm re- ready to experience this. Spider-Man th- or Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man, shut up, Richard. Spider-Man also did that really badly, in which uh, it was, you swing it through the city. Hey, we got to go check this out now. We can't go do this next mission. Go check this out. Go use these abilities here. Just like, no, let me play the game. Like, I want to play the game. You yeah. left off on a good Artificial mission. Artificial yeah, that don't arc. even tie into the story. Yeah, really. you left on a, off on a good mission arc. Now let me do that. God of War, I don't even think did that. Keep the pacing. But yeah, yeah, the pacing towards, I guess that's, yeah, that's generally it. It's just great games, great stories, terrible pacing. God of War, the least offender of the three, where it only happened at the very end of the game. And I was just really ready for the resolution of the game because the buildup was really, really done well. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 had that sprinkled throughout the entire game. It Never did. a big, big issue, but it was glaring enough for me to notice and criticize. Well, and, you know, Kingdom Hearts, Spider-Man was the biggest Kingdom offender. Hearts 3 is actually something we're, we're going to go ahead and talk about that as a, as a latch off into that. Well, go ahead. And, uh, go but ahead I'm going to answer, gonna answer yeah, yeah, this first. first. Uh, so mine actually is really lined in with Saul. I love Drakengard 3. Drakengard 3 is a game that had terrible performance problems uh it would be really choppy because the frame rate would start dropping uh the graphics were really rough looking that looked like kind of like a, a late ps2 game uh and this is a game that came out in 2013 uh i'm fairly positive yeah it came out the, it came out with a blue case of a ps it was when the ps3 switched over to a blue stripe to match the ps4 case that was blue so i don't remember that at all yeah i can go show you i have the case still i mean i have the game still uh, but yeah, the they later PS3 games, the last few that released once the PS4 even came out, uh, they did it to where the PS3 cases also had a blue label so that it was a visual consistency identity thing. Um, but 
I had those similar problems. I think outside of that, the game is amazing. I think it tells a really great story. Uh, I, I think the gameplay is fun, even though it does have some performance problems in the middle of it. Uh, and I think it also has a fantastic story and interesting characters. A lot of things that I love from the Yoko Taro games. And it was kind of known that for him, it was like you were going to get a Yoko Taro game that was going to have a great story and all these things, but you were going to have some kind of performance issues. Near the original, thankfully, really wasn't that bad. It had mild, very mild uh, performance issues, but it just also wasn't that great graphically. Better than Dragon Guard 3, realistically, uh, a little less monotonous. But, you know, it's like for all the bad, you take a really whole lot of good. And thankfully, I think Nier Automata actually kind of drove those closer together. You still kept a great narrative, really cool characters, interesting story, all that with a great soundtrack and then it also actually had gameplay that had great really I mean it ran at the right frame rate and it was very fast guaranteed 60 frames per second thanks to platinum uh, and then also I think the graphics actually took a step up the only weird thing that I hate and this goes in the Nier Automata I never understood why they had these these semi see-through black bars during cutscenes it just it was weird. It's weird. It's a little I assumed jarring. it was to help weird. with cutscenes because they didn't have to do anything with cutscenes because the cutscenes would always be within that black bar. Yeah. So it was to help with contrast of the cutscenes. But it was just a weird, why not why not make them solid black? Yeah, that's honestly I think it was a style choice. I don't mind it. I actually I, I didn't even realize I did it until you just pointed it out. Yeah, but I can it's, now exactly it's just super about. weird. It's not. Yeah, it didn't yeah. even bother me at all. But you know, we're going to use this as an opportunity to go off, and this is from Twitter anyway. I think so our last question too. Uh, this is from Mr. Eric McAllister, also a patron. Thank you, sir. He says, this may be a Thanks. better question for Reader Mail, and we decided that Reader Mail was where it was going to go with him. Uh, but now that Kingdom Hearts 3 is launched, after all this time and was very mad and unfinishable, in my opinion, do I have any reason to be excited for a Final Fantasy VII remake? I've lost all interest. Changed my mind. Open for debate. I'm not going to be the one to change your mind. Honestly, so, I'm going to say this. I'm not either. Yeah. But... I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I will argue my stance as to where I think the game faulted uh, and where I do think that it's reasonable to look at people who were uh, underwhelmed by the game or even disappointed in the game. Um, I, I don't think that it was unfinishable, in my own personal opinion. I do think that it has moments where it is, it is a little weaker. A slog. Uh, and some of that comes down to pacing, which all Kingdom Hearts games have this problem to an extent where they don't typically do very much story building until the very end, and then they decide to give you just so much expose. Um, my biggest thing but was But they'll that give you some kind of mystery ones that'll kind of drive you along throughout the world. They've always done that. Yeah, and they worked um, kind of well in 3, but my biggest issue with 3 was, like, like Brett said and what I said earlier, is the pacing. And that doesn't go just for running and then all of a sudden having a cutscene. It goes just for about the whole story. But yeah, let's be honest here. Like like Brett said, Kingdom Hearts has always had pacing issues. Yeah, they, um, they their pacing issue is reversed from a normal game. Instead of it being a cool part and then slog and then a cool part and then a slog, instead what Kingdom Hearts kind of does is it, it'll it'll normally start off with a bunch going on and you'll be like, okay, cool, yeah. I'm getting into this. And then the whole middle of the game when you start traversing the worlds is all these weird made-up problems that have to do with the world and they're very, very light on real impactful story within the overarching theme like so the instead stuff. yeah it, instead it just feels like it's Excuse like me. why am i worried about what's happening in the, in the frozen world uh how does that pertain to what's happening as a whole and it has a very light connection it does very light but it's like the beginning of the game gives you a ton of story. The middle game is this weird slog of something. It doesn't It doesn't really have any real story pertinence. And then the end of the game just smashes you over the head with plot. 
Yeah, um, and I will say that the game wrapped up the current series really, really well. Uh, I will say that all my questions are answered, and there was even a question that I was expecting to have answered, answered better than expected, and that had also, to do with the prologue, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say, though, that my biggest issue was that they, in all Kingdom Hearts games, you had a typical NPC talk, and it was a text window. And you could read that as fast as you wanted and be able to skip through it uh, while still reading it and getting it and not taking as long. Now they replaced that uh, since production quality is higher with actual small cutscenes that were about three minutes long, four minutes long on some of them. And I did not like that change because you can't skip those. You can't. Uh, there was no. Uh, quickening up the dialogue, you just skipped it. And obviously... I, I actually preferred that. The biggest thing would be, it'd be nice if there was a way to put an option in there, but you really wouldn't, because you'd have to... It, it wouldn't really yeah, work because that way. it would have to create a graphic for the dialogue text window, then the font. Yeah, so, you just leave it. Uh, that was my biggest issue with the game, was pacing. I think that it wrapped up fine. It, it delivered uh, what I wanted it to, and it was worth the $60 I wanted it to. My biggest concern with Final Fantasy VII, though, is the battle system. I did not, I'm not a fan of the battle system in, in 15 that much. It's not copying um, 15. I know, I know, but it's still... But I, I get your point it, of it's, it's the most similar. recent game, yeah. and if you're going towards this action RPG again, why would I be... Like, why would I believe yeah. that it's not going to be like and that? Recent Square Games has had this problem, too, with pacing, and that's the same goes for Final Fantasy XV, where you're, or you're progressing the main story, then all of a sudden you got to ride a chocobo to do a side quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like that. And I don't think that that's going to be able to be in seven because there is fetch quest in seven. There are standard side quests of RPGs, but you're not thrown into much of them. You're thrown into two, three of them. Well, and there's a framework the game, existing for seven. So that's what, yeah, that's what I'm real saying. Quick, is, is it, I do want to finish the Kingdom Hearts three stuff before I move into that. But yeah. if you want to finish your Final Fantasy seven stuff, you can. No, I was just saying that for, as for my Kingdom Hearts thing to go ahead and wrap that up. So you can, um, it delivered. I wasn't exactly let down by it as much as I thought it would be. And I do think that for them to take this series into this generation, uh, for what they concluded is this chapter, they did a pretty good job given most studios wouldn't have been able to touch that kind of level of quality. But from a critical standpoint and from an actual game enthusiast standpoint is that they could have done better in certain areas, especially the pacing. So, mm-hmm. so I'd say my, my stance on kingdom hearts three is also very similar. We were going to try and do an impressions episode, but I, I actually just, prefer that we're doing this right now and kind of discussing it this way as a kind of post-mortem in a while after the game. I'll agree that as time has gone on, Kingdom Hearts 3 doesn't stand in, in my top Kingdom Hearts games at all. But what it does do is exactly like Saul said, it, it, in terms of what it has importance for story, as much as it has problems with how it chooses to do the pacing, like all Kingdom Hearts games do, and this one may even be a more egregious offender than most, um, it still really does wrap the story up in satisfying ways. It, it, I mean, at least... It, it doesn't leave really anything open. And that was the biggest worry coming into it. They were going to do too much to leave too many things open as they've always done. But they realized that this is the end of this arc and they did a lot. The only things that are left open are things that are new, thankfully, for the most part. I mean, I really say they're all essentially new and they are definitely tied into the series, the series future. Uh, and they don't feel weird that they're, they're still left open. It's not things that have been left open since two and then also still left open across three, five, eight, two, uh, three, five, eight days over two, uh, birth by sleep and Dream all these games. So that was nice. Uh, <clears throat> where I, I they wrapped that up too. They wrapped it up by, by various boss battles. Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was that was really fun. Well. Yeah. And I thought that was a really great way to do it yes. because you felt like you had one-on-ones. That was the best part of the game in my opinion um, was that p- particular end of So the I'd game. say this, if, if you on kingdom hearts, as it goes, I don't think it's unfinishable. If, 
you get to the finish. I think if you if you get to the end, you'll feel like it was worth it to the end to there. I'd also say that the the combat was fun, but the combat was a little underwhelming, uh, and that was due to the sense that I played on proud mode and really still didn't have a challenge. Uh, and you could tell that there was a lot of con- like consensus made. Of, there was going to be a lot of people were jumping into Kingdom Hearts for the first time, and that was obviously true due to the sales numbers. Uh, uh, as well as fans, but there's people who either haven't played Kingdom Hearts since the first game because the sales numbers for the first game is the highest up up until now. Yeah. And I think three hasn't officially been announced to break the numbers, but I think it's going to. Um, but three got very close in first month, so it's probably going to break it. Uh, but with that said, it's like you know, these these are people that have either only played Kingdom Hearts one very lightly, or maybe beat it, but haven't played a Kingdom Hearts game since. Since two sold about. Uh, two million less than the first game did, um, and then it's just only gotten worse as the series has gone on because of the, them being on handhelds. To be fair, right? It's, it's, and then a scattered, a yeah, scattered, sc- platform scattered like platforms. Uh, so you know, with this one. I think they had a feeling that a lot of people were going to be jumping in for the first time, and even though they wanted to please fans by bringing back things like keyboard transformations and all those things, they also wanted to make the game accessible for people who could be jumping in for the first time, and I feel like they erred a little too much on the side of making the game too accessible. So while it made really fun combat, the combat wasn't as deep as something like 2, where 2 could be played by just smashing X all the way across the board. 2 actually had some cool back-end systems that I love, like the reflex spell, and being able to smartly time and use the reflex spell to do magic damage to your enemies uh, and using your drive form smartly. The game scratches some of those itches barely, but it never gets as deep. That's one of the things I'd say. Uh, I think outside of that, it depends on what you like about the Kingdom Hearts games. This one leaned a little too heavily into Pixar, sadly, and I think they chose to do that because they felt like they had something to prove with all the time they took to make this game come out, and I, and they succeeded visually massively. Also, uh, Square, there are more buttons on the console than, than Triangle. Please do not ever map everything to Triangle again. That was ridiculous. You could switch between it and even cancel them, that I, so I didn't care. Yeah, um, it's still annoying to try to uh, open up a chest and trigger a, a, a stupid what are they called again? A scene? No. No, no. The the uh, attraction, attraction flows. Yeah, yeah it, attraction flow. I would I would be out of battle for like 45 seconds and go to a chest and hit triangle to open it up and, and I'll hit an attraction. I'm not in battle. Happened to me twice. Why is that even in the game? Why yeah. can I do that out of the game? There's no point. Yeah. It's a battle move. Why move. can I do a battle move out of battle? And the reason it does that is it keeps your timer oh, I know why it does that. going so, so that if yes. you get into another battle that you yeah. have it ready. Yeah, there's a lot of instances, though, where you don't. Yeah, that's, that's true. Thing, that is so. true. So, but, I mean, look, as far as that goes, I think that Kingdom Hearts 3 is worth finishing. I will say that there are times that you can very see it as a man. Uh, but for, the, for it to be the first time coming back to home consoles, I think they did about as good of a... Uh, they did not about as good as they could, but they did good considering that it could have gotten a lot worse. And I think that the ending's more than makes up for it uh, and does really good for longtime series fans. Uh, and it does make still for a pretty fun action game. I'd say more so fun than the combat in Final Fantasy 15. Uh, it's more akin to what I think Final Fantasy 15 was aiming to be when it was still under Tetsuya Nomura uh, before other guy decided he wanted to try and make everything one button, which was annoying. Uh, but as for Final Fantasy VII, I think where Saul was getting at, and, and where I also agree with this, is that part of the reason that Final Fantasy VII doesn't feel like it should suffer from these same slogs is that all it's trying to do is refine upon and modernize uh, a, an existing template. Right. It's a framework that's already mm-hmm. been there. So if you played the original Final Fantasy VII, you would expect, you can, I would expect most of the content to be returning and in place where it should be and even expanded upon in some situations because there is more technology and i mean that in the sense of 
even if it's expanded in the sense of like, well, instead of this fetch quest acting the way it did, now you are in an open world, so it naturally changes the way it's going to play no, out. No, I do not want that. I want the quest to be the exact same with maybe... Well, it can't be the exact same because of the change in gameplay. It can't be the exact same. There's going to have to be some changes. I would, the I, quest would have to change smartly within the, within the camera and combat style change. I'm trying to think and of the it. open world view. Now you can still do it in a way that's 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 quick and still fun and non intrusive, or feels like you're you're having fun with it. Uh, I think 15 was the first time they experimented with an open world in one of their games, and we saw that it we saw the sadly the goods and the bads of what that did and more bad than good it felt like an empty open world that made you go too far too often and didn't have an easy right, way to do it they improved that over time like by letting you drive seven, the car off road to yourself you know they did a lot to make Mid- it easier Midgar and the other areas in 7 uh, they are well the only thing I'm questioning is how they're going to do the world map well, see, because if they're going open world, I feel like they're going to do hubs. I feel like you'll be in yeah. Midgar, which would be a, its own hub. Right. Whenever you go to the other areas, I'm not going to name them for any but whenever you do go to the other areas of the game, I think they will again the be village. hubs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there may even be a situation where the village, I'll say that much as too, but where it exists and then there's still an open world outside of it, but it's not necessarily a seamless connected open world. It might be. It I, might yeah, be. Yeah, I'm still... But as long as they find ways to make you move along them quicker and more elegantly, like they eventually got to with Final Fantasy XV after a number of updates, then it's okay. I got I got the same like thing going on. But with... make the world smaller to where it's more dense. Don't go bigger just so you have NPCs spread that much further out. Make a smaller world that's more dense I am, and more interesting. I'm still on this game like I was like two years ago in Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't think I'm, this game's ever going to exist until I play it. I mean, that, that's honestly a fair and probably a better way to do it because it puts you in the situation of you can't really be disappointed if it doesn't happen. It's not even about disappointed. It's just there's so much in this game that I that they're going to change that I just I have a hard time envisioning it. So, like, I know they're doing, they know what they're doing. But it's going to be... I'm really excited for it, but I'm not nearly as hyped up for it as I was King Mars 3. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yep. I think that's the best way to be on it. I, I mean, yeah, Square's been on a weird thing with their Japanese development this time around, and it, and it does. It's unfortunate that as somebody who's a really long-time Kingdom Hearts fan that Nier Automata ended up being a better game to me uh, in I agree. pretty much every aspect, and that's okay. I still love Kingdom Hearts 3. I still enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but Nier Automata is definitely head over shoulders. I mean, it's definitely the better game. Um and I, I don't even know that many people that would really argue that. I mean, I'm sure that they exist, but oh, yeah. it's just, I think one thing I'll give to Kingdom Hearts fans as a whole is I've seen pretty reasonable critiques of the game. And a lot of people who are longtime fans weren't just I wasn't expecting. nipping at the heels. A lot of them, yeah. a lot of people actually said, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be. I was expecting more of a, of a, I don't know, what is it? Like, not toxic, but I was expecting more of a biased stance I, I ex- in which it was just not going to be correct to what the game actually Yeah, was. I thought everyone was going to defend the game to to the death. And I, and I mean that in the sense of defend that it was a perfect game. I've yes. seen a lot of people say, no, it's and good, just to, like we are. Yeah, know. and choose to ignore the flaws that it had. So I'm actually yeah. surprised. So, I mean, again, I don't think that it's really hard for me to do this from a, where I can feel like I can change your opinion on it because the only opinion I would say that on here that I think might be able to be changed for you is if you actually go back and beat Kingdom Hearts 3. I think you will find that the last four to five hours last two hours ah, man i don't uh, maybe the last two hours like when you get to the graveyard i'll say that much. yeah but that's not two hours realistically that's that's more i mean if anything if you're really going through it three three hours what yeah when you first get to the keyblade graveyard that's a lot that goes on i think you may be remembering some stuff weirdly 
And yeah. actually, not even that, because I'd even argue that the part before that, without going into too much spoilers, but with the part where you go back into the dark world, that's where the story really starts to pick up. Well, you know, the the edge of darkness or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. That's where the story really starts to pick up. So, again, I say the last four to five hours are full of content hours. that's really worth it. I'll go out for it. But the, I will also agree with Saul, though, the, the best parts are the last two hours. Yes. I will give the, but the last I would say the hour. last four to five hours are all worth it. And I think you might actually change your opinion on it being unfinishable. You may not change your opinion on it being man. At least I, if you're not going to dive back into it, let's go watch it on YouTube. Like, yeah, go, I'd go, say that go, too. Go check out the wrapping ups of all the stories and yeah. then go check out the final boss fight because the final boss fight honestly is one of the coolest boss fights in Game Arts history to me. So it was done pretty well. Yeah, but, so I agree with that and uh, I think that right there wraps up Reading Mail Episode 7. So thanks Eric. Thanks to all of our other question askers, patrons and all. If you would like to support us on Patreon so you can be mentioned as a patron when we do this episode, you can do so by going to the link down in our description below and offering either even something as simple as a dollar helps us a lot and it helps us cover hosting costs, equipment costs, all those things helps us get other shows off the ground by and, doing the same thing. And then of course, if you want to go even further with the $5 thing, you get custom cases and you get this episode early in audio format. Yeah. And uh, something I'm going to do on our discord server is I'm going to open up two new channels. I'm going to open up reader mail submission where no discussion can be had on any questions, just questions only for us. And then reader mail discussion in which you can jump in and you can answer the questions that are in the submission area discord for fun. So you can answer them. And I want to implore you guys to join our Discord and then go through this episode and answer each question as we answer them and put them in Discord. And I think that'll be kind of a fun time to have. But uh, like Brett said, thank you yeah. all for joining us for Episode 7. We'll see you guys back for – technically, you'll see us back on uh, Triangle Squared for 107. But mm-hmm. we'll see you guys back again at Reader Mode number 8. Right, thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popes, Eduardo Palomino, Stephen Swanlin, Coy Live, and Philip Laguerre, I think. Uh, if you'd like to support us, like I said, you can look at the, the link in the description. Thank you. <laughs>